This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. If they're going that deep, then we're in trouble, right? Like, I'm not saying we're not going to talk about those guys, period. Oh, uh, I... I'm going to make you watch Joe no, Milton. No, no, no. I cannot no. wait no, for you to watch saying, Joe Milton. I'm not saying we're not going to talk about those I guys, I know, period. but Evan, I'm so I'm excited for you. They cannot be going that deep. Joe Milton is going to break your brain, so, so... and I can't wait. That's a good way to start the show because I did want to start the show on the draft and uh, yeah, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, uh, Patriots catch twenty two. Marine is back. Marine is back behind the glass. Love to see that uh, doing better. He said he's living is is what he said. I don't know if that's necessarily doing better, but uh, here we are. Everybody's like you know battling illness these days, right? We're like fighting it off and trying to stay away from it for the next two weeks. But I, I want to start with the draft and with the Patriots situation. Uh, we have our inbox right now, Alex, is is flooded with emails uh, with angry Patriots fans that they're winning these games. And they won in Denver, and we're going to get to that win. We're going to talk about some Bailey Zappi, three up, three down, all that stuff in a second. Uh, but here's where I want to start the show. Everybody is is – I think there's a lot of Patriots fans. I don't want to say everybody because then people will come at me and like, it's not everybody. Uh, a lot of Patriots fans that feel like our, our pal Warren here who says, guys, please stop downplaying a high draft pick. It's pathetic that the Patriots are celebrating these recent wins, as well as lauding Zappy, and basically said that this is all – I don't want to read all of this because it's it's not very nice. Uh, basically, it says that this is a – going to set the franchise back. You know, I hear this a lot, right? Like, it's going to set the franchise back a decade that they're winning these games and they're this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I know you're pretty fired up about this, Alex, because you started yelling at me before we even I mean, not report. yelling at you, yelling you at yelling the situation. At uh, anyways, I here's the thing to me about this. There are some, let's call it intangible things that I, that I like about what I've seen from this team the last week or so. And I get it. They're four and 11. Some people don't want to celebrate for any sort of win when you're having a season like this. And I totally understand that line of thinking to an extent, but uh, after the game in Denver, when I was in that locker room, that did not feel like a four and 11 team. And I don't mean that they're not like seeing uh, the forest for the trees. Did I do it right? Uh, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that that that's not the case, but just, there's a lot of competitive people in that locker room. There's a lot of competitive people. And I want to build a football team with competitive football players. I don't want to build a football team. I'm just going to call them out. Fill with Trent Browns. All right? I don't want that. All right? I want a football team filled with David Andrews's. Right? And David Andrews, Christian Barmore, three sacks in a quarter. You're telling me that guy doesn't care? That guy doesn't isn't trying? That guy doesn't want to win? Right? I want to build my football team with people like that. Top so Douglas going up, putting his body on the line to make that yeah, catch. I think that there's a culture element to winning and a culture element to all of that. But most importantly, because I don't think fans right now that are on Warren's side of the fence really yeah. want to hear that. I think most importantly, uh, the difference is in my lack of panic about them winning these football games compared to some other people is that I feel like they, a lot of people have labeled this 
a three-player draft at the top. Yeah. It's Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Marvin Harrison Jr. And if the Patriots don't come away from this draft with one of those three players, then it's a failure. It's a failure, and they're they're just getting you know another kind of meh prospect. I, I heard in that so many thing. times the last few days that that win set the Patriots back ten years. Yeah, one that's not how the NFL works. Not one single thing that happens in the NFL has an impact that lasts ten years outside of like a rule change by the league. Yeah, the the league changes too much on a week to week, year to year basis for anything to set you back. The only way it sets them back ten years, Evan, is if they let them. And if they let it set them back 10 years... I told you he was fired up. Thank you. If they let it set them back 10 years, yeah. they deserve to be dragged for letting it set them back 10 years, not for winning a game. Sure. And and when I say letting it set them back, I mean not being as aggressive as they need to be this offseason because there's a realistic aggressiveness I think you can expect from this team. Right. Number two, the whole thing about the three-player draft. First off, it is a three-quarterback draft. Yeah. And Jane well, this Daniels... This is where I wanted to go because... I think I'm going to give you some flowers right yeah. now. You always tell me about these guys in like September or October. And then I started watching them at some point. And then we get to the point of the draft where we're really talking about Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and yeah. not Caleb Williams. All Everybody knows about Caleb Williams. He won the Heisman right. Trophy last year. We all know who Caleb Williams is. I think in and I was it Phil Perry that that had that segment on NBC Sports Boston about the intel around the league. Love, yeah. This happens all the time. Love, Phil was saying that two weeks ago. Yeah, this happens all the time that the league knows. The league yeah. knows that Jaden Daniels is a baller. Then what ends up happening is is that people that cover the NFL like like me and cover and you and other people. Not I I, I leave you out of that. That's why I was going. No, I, first. I yeah. People that cover the NFL exclusively then catch up to the NFL, catch up right. to the scouting departments and the GMs and things like that around the league. And now all of a sudden, oh, Jaden Daniels. Like, do you see this guy from LSU won the Heisman Trophy? Like, pretty good, right? And I, I think that that's what's ha what always happens. And it's just happening a little bit earlier here because the Patriots are in the position that it's, they're in. Right. It's happening earlier for us. This is when it usually right. happens. This time – in 2019, yeah. Joe Burrow was not the first overall pick. Right. Was not Well, like some people were talking about it, but it was still... 20. No, well... well 19 season. 19, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying like, had, he, he kind of punched his... And that's not me saying Jane Daniels is going to become the first overall pick. I don't think he, right. he jumps that much, but does he jump Drake May? Yeah. Does he lock him... I think he's already locked himself in as a top five. Does he jump Drake May? Does he jump Marvin Harrison? Some of it's going to depend on the order of the draft and how that kind of yeah. shakes out, but I, I think there's a real chance of it. This is a three-quarterback draft, and I would even say beyond that, Caleb Williams is in his own class I would agree in this that. draft. I think the tier two quarterbacks are Drake May and Jaden Daniels, and I think the gap between May and Daniels is smaller than the gap between Williams and May. I think there is then a third tier that I would call elite, offensive non-quarterbacks and yeah. that is Marvin Harrison Brock Bowers Joe Alt I think all for Olufashanu is in that group he's one step so I would put Olufashanu with like Malik Neighbors and um they, or he's two steps down I'd put him with Malik Neighbors and uh, uh Roma Dunze, Dunze. And, and, and like that group and then there's one other this isn't really a, a 
separated tier. It's kind of to the side. Yeah. There's a, a defensive version nope. of the Harrison Bowers. Well, nope. no, I just want to. I want to. Nope. I don't want people to think I'm saying Dallas Turner sucks and Kool-Aid McKinstry sucks because they're very good players, but they're like the Brock Bowers, Marvin Harrison, Joe Alt tier on the other side I'm of the football. I hear, I hear what you're saying. I'm glad you you set it up for people to understand. Yeah. Uh, but Well, but here's that, the thing. Let me the just say this. Though. Let me just say this. Yeah. Brock Bauer, I, I, I think specifically, not Brock Bowers, I think specifically Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and Leitu Latu uh, from UCLA. And maybe yeah, yeah, you yeah. throw Jared Verse in here. We'll see who he tests. Those four players are actually very important for the Patriots in this draft because they could go higher. Than, is there right. a team that's simply sitting there saying we need defense? And does one of those guys shoot up the board and bump Jaden Daniels? If the Patriots win another game, let's say they beat the Jets, right. bump Jaden Daniels down a spot, bump Joe Alt down a spot. I know it annoys you to talk about those guys because you don't think the Patriots should draft them. Sure. And that's all well and good. We have to adjust our approach this year because we sort of just do this by default when the Patriots are picking 15th, 20th, 25th, that there's just certain guys at the top that we we let go of. Yeah. Every single pick now, anytime you're in the top 10, you have to look at from that angle where it is still important for us to follow the progress of a guy like Dallas Turner, even if the Patriots aren't going to draft him, because does he jump into the top five? Because even if the Patriots aren't taking him, that that, that changes the outlook. Or, but you're gonna have to listen to me talk about yeah, it. That's, that's what I'm fine. saying. You can't shoot me down when I talk about that's it. Fine, but that's fine, which is your what you just tried to do. I, I, I yeah. I, the, the thought of the Patriots taking a defensive player in the first round makes me want to puke. That, I'm not that, rolling that, it out entirely if Bills comes back, but that, should, I, I'm with you that they shouldn't do it. But that, I'm not rolling it out I entirely. Feel. So I think that that's the biggest difference is that if you are locked into the fact that those three guys. Caleb, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. are the only three guys that you they feel are are worth, you know, I don't want to say worth drafting, but just that's all that gets you excited is if one right. of those three guys is a Patriot, then I can understand why you're upset that they're winning football games. I just don't feel that way. And I really, I think you put it perfectly about, I feel that the gap between Drake May and Jaden Daniels is not that large. I I really felt that you know we talked about Drake May a lot last week yeah. and talked about some of the things that I feel a little bit worried about uh, with Drake May last week. I, Do you want to update any of that now that you watched the Virginia game? I, I feel the same way. Okay. I I feel the same way. I and, just wanted to give you that opportunity. Yeah, I I feel the same way, and now I feel like I've I've watched enough of Drake May uh, that I have a lot of notes on him, and I I feel like I'm almost like done with Drake right. May, which is amazing. In December, it makes me feel good. I'm like way ahead of schedule here. Uh, anyways, with Drake May, I I feel the same way, and that is that I I really he is a ball of clay. And he's going to need a lot of refinement with his mechanics and with his accuracy to be a consistently good NFL quarterback. The flashes are phenomenal. Like the big time throw ability, the mobility, the off platform, all that kind of stuff is phenomenal. Uh, But he has some warts to his consistency in pocket mechanics uh, that he's going to need to work on. Whereas with Jaden Daniels, I, I think that there are, warts with him as a passer right now uh that exist just with his playing style uh but at the same time his mobility is such an elite trait 
that that's a carrying trait of right. his that he's every single time he drops back to pass he they're going to be playing 11 on 11 and the defense is going to have to worry about the quarterback and account for the quarterback like what he did against Alabama scrambling was ridiculous that's when he became a top 10 pick like that yeah. game he looked like a top 10 and, pick. and I remember watching that game a little bit live and, and Saban saying at halftime that they were playing a lot of match coverage and when they were playing match coverage that you know LSU was just kind of running verticals down the field and getting guys to turn their backs to the quarterback and he said we only had one spy in the middle of the field and the one spy wasn't good enough like he couldn't you know one linebacker is not going to be able to t- to tackle Jaden Daniels in the open field and he just carved them up I I think Jaden Daniels is the best scrambling quarterback that I've seen in the draft since Lamar like he's he's that dynamic as a runner I I don't want to take away from him as a passer though and like he has his warts like you said but a lot of it feels coachable and he still is a guy that can like he's a threat with the deep ball yeah he's a threat oh yeah he's he's probably the best uh I wouldn't say he's the best deep ball Second thrower because that's probably Penix. It's Penix. Yeah, I, I think he's he's really good on the deep ball. Yeah, though. and I think that his game is really really similar to Lamar's at Louisville. It, it is, and they both won the Heisman Trophy, so they both put right. up the numbers. And uh, I, I think that they're really similar. And I still think he's more advanced as a prospect than Lamar was. That's not to say he's going to be better than Lamar, but Lamar was I wonder, not. I just wonder if he's more advanced than Lamar because we're five years forward of, of like how to scheme with that type of quarterback. No, I, I, I remember like Lamar sprayed it a little bit more. Like his accuracy was because Lamar. So like, like Lamar would let me let me. All right, let me rephrase that. Yeah, Jane Daniels is more advanced as a passer than Lamar was coming out. Lamar is obviously much better as a runner. He's better than everybody as a runner. Like, yes, yeah. you know. But I, I. I remember, like, Lamar, there was some underneath stuff that where it was just, like, three-step, hit the back foot and throw, and, like, that didn't come for him until year two or three in the NFL, right? Daniels yeah. isn't amazing at that. I'm not going to have him necessarily run, like, just a, you know, quick game quick offense, game offense yeah, but, yeah. like, I feel like he's better in that regard yeah, than Lamar, Lamar was. Yeah, Lamar had footwork problems. His, That's his platform what, yeah. was really, really narrow, and he didn't really – it didn't allow him to control the football Whereas, very like, well. Whereas, like, Jane Daniels' mechanics, I, they could be tightened up a little bit, but, like, he gets the – I love how quick he gets the ball out, and it's usually he does pretty have accurate. A, he does have a quick release. I – I am, would be ecstatic with the Patriots drafting Jaden Daniels. Oh, you would. You'd be doing backflips. Yeah. I've said this. I, I said that when you, we first start talking about him, you're like, yeah, he's a good player. I was like, you're, this is going to be your guy. Yeah. I, I know I that, that he is going to be your guy. I, I want to say one more thing, and you talk about Lamar there, and it kind of goes to the point for everybody saying, oh, you know, if you can't get – even if you don't believe in Jaden Daniels, and maybe you have some legitimate football concerns with Jaden Daniels, and you do think yeah. it's Caleb Williams and Drake May. The draft – and, and the other thing, so what I've said is, even if they win another game, fall back in the draft a little bit, the, the the criticism should not be that they won a game. The criticism should be they failed to trade up and get aggressive in getting the guy they believe is their future. If there's a quarterback, or any player, I guess, if there's any player on the board that you think this guy is going to be the reason we win a Super Bowl, is there anything that's too much to get him? So here's where I would push so, back on that a little bit, because I, I fear... I hear the trade up argument. Yeah, I fear that trading up is a a move that a team like the Carolina Panthers just did, and you have to be so sure. So obviously, that's what I'm saying. Like, if because you look Carolina's at this guy, in a terrible. That's position what I'm saying. Now. And and Bryce Young wasn't worth trading up for. But if 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 the Patriots look at Jane Daniels, they look at Drake May, or they look at Marvin Harrison, and they say this is the guy. This yeah. is the guy we're going to build the next ten years around. We know we can do it. Is there any price? Now, if they don't believe in them, then don't. But 
you, I there's just, no I reason that you. I don't know if there. I don't know if you can say that. Like I, I feel like that's no dangerous. reason. It's my, my dangerous point is, to put it that way. There's no. Well, but then you shouldn't be taking the guy anyway. If you don't truly believe in him, you shouldn't be taking the guy in. No, I just think that there's a difference between giving up like a Carolina Panthers okay, but, type but, but package. Okay, but it's not. I'm not it. saying trade up to one. I'm not saying trade up to one. I'm talking about moving up from like five to three. Oh yeah, that's. I, I mean, maybe that's. It's. I'm not saying force your way up to get Caleb Williams, but let let's say they believe Jane Daniels is the guy. Yeah, and they know they get. They need to get to three to get Jane Daniels, and they're sitting there at four, and Jane Daniels goes three. You can't just say, "Oh shucks." Well, we needed the third pick. We have the fourth. Nothing we can do about it. Like, you can't do that. And when I give that argument, some people say, well, all the teams above the Patriots need quarterbacks. So why is a team that needs a quarterback going to trade out? It's adorable people think the NFL draft is that predictable. It really is. If the Both in terms of what teams are going to do and who the players are going to become. If the yeah. NFL draft was that predictable, it'd be no fun. Who who had the Texans trading up to the third pick last year? Or after yeah, picking right, picking right, back to back picks, picking yeah. back to back second and third. Who yeah, had that? Yeah. And, and so just to go through it real quick, Chicago it looks like is going to get the first overall pick via Carolina. Yep. That right away, not a team that I'm convinced is going to take a quarterback. I look, it, there's really strong arguments both ways for Chicago. Right. Fields yeah. is Fields is starting to play well. Do you go out? Do you get him a real pass catcher, whether it's Harrison or uh, Bowers, or and one of the tackles in whatever order you do that will dictate. But do you go out to get him a real pass protector, a real weapon, and okay, like here we go, we move forward with this guy, or is it, hey, you know, we can get a rookie quarterback, we can reset the clock on the rookie quarterback contract, we'll go out and get Caleb Williams. Uh, not a decision I would want to make. It's a very tough decision. I don't think you can go wrong, but yeah, not necessarily a team that's going to want on a quarterback. Arizona. Not totally sold that they're going to be in on a quarterback. They owe Kyler Murray a right. lot of money. And they may just say, you know what, let's get some pieces around him and keep building. He's looked competitive here this season. Washington, definitely. Washington is definitely a quarterback team. Uh, you have the Giants in there. I don't believe the Giants will be a quarterback team. Yeah. It is really hard to give Daniel Jones 100-whatever-million dollars and then come back. I think the Giants might be a quarterback team. I, I don't think they they can't be. They can't. You, they are, but not in the first round. They are. That I think, is. I think you you if you as an organization you eat it. Like you that, can't. You, the, Maher's not going to go for that. He's not like that's I don't just know, not. The Broncos are about to eat Russell Wilson's contract. That's two. That's two years later. I, it's 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 just it's know. just ha they are a day you, two quarterback you, team. You ha you've seen enough from Daniel Jones in New York to know that that guy is not it. Okay, so fine. Washington, the Giants, who the Patriots are ahead of. Uh, Chargers are not a quarterback. They'd be shocked. No. Frankly, if the Chargers are a quarterback team. No, they're not a quarterback it, team. It, we don't the, need The to, Patriots should be the team that traded for Justin they're, Herbert. They're not a quarterback uh, Tennessee might be. I kind of feel like Vrabel likes Will Levis. Yeah, I would think that they're more like a hedge your bet on on day two. They, right, right. Like and again, that's where I put the Giants. Like um, and then you have the Bears again, and the Jets are a quarterback team, obviously, but they're a couple wins behind the yeah. Patriots. So really stamp on it. I mean, there's four teams that could be. I think there's two teams that definitely are. Yeah. In an ideal world right now, and things are going to change, but in an ideal world right now, people who say the Patriots can't get a quarterback. Washington trades up from three to one. Yeah. That move makes all the sense in the world. They have an owner that wants to get aggressive, that wants yeah. to go out, that They're wants Carolina. to make a splash. Right. Caleb Williams is from D.C. Yeah. So you talk about like a unique fit there. Washington moves up from three to one. They get Caleb Williams. Let's see. Drake May goes two. 
whether it's Arizona or it's another team trading up there. Yeah. Drake May goes to. We need a whiteboard for this. Chicago at three. I'm Charlie Kelly with uh, yeah, uh, Pepe yeah, Sylvia. Yeah, yeah, we Sh- need like a, a, a graph. Chicago down three. Yeah. They're going to take either Alt or Harrison for okay. Caleb Williams. And then the Patriots are sitting there on the board. Jaden Daniels is there at four. That, to me, is a very realistic situation. And okay. I know people think, to bring it back to the original point, yeah. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Patriots get Jane Daniels at four. People should be doing backflips in the streets. Okay. Uh, I'm going to – and then I really do want to talk about the actual current team. Uh, the the last thing I'm going to say is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I'm just going to say it anyways because I, I, as, an, as an offensive line guy, Alex – I have to say it. I have to tell you that taking the tackle is not a bad move for the franchise. It, it, it is. If if all let's say all three quarterbacks are gone, I, it's the move. I don't even. It's, it's not even about that. Like because you have to again. I like Jaden Daniels. You like Jaden Daniels, but. They have to like Jay Daniels. You have to be sold on that on a guy like that. I'm not taking Zach Wilson just to take a quarterback. Right? Okay, like, true. Th- but that, that's my point. And I, I, I'm not I saying that he's going to be Zach will, Wilson. I think but. they will like Jane Daniels. Okay, but the point being is is that I I'm going to have an unpopular opinion on this. I I really would strongly strongly entertain the tackle. So do you remember even over a quarterback? Okay, I wouldn't go that far. But do you remember a couple weeks ago I said on Patriots beat Joe Alt over Marvin Harrison and some guy called in yeah, because yeah, he yeah. couldn't understand it yeah. and I said this is going to be a real conversation. Yeah. I, I'm with you on the unpopular opinion. Like Okay, maybe maybe saying over quarterbacks a stretch. I am a hundred I'm a hundred percent over tackle over Marvin here's Harrison. Here's what I would say. If and tell me if you agree, because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. if it's Joe Alt or a quarterback you don't fully believe in, yeah. Joe Alt. Is that what you're saying? Basically, I would agree with you on that. Now, if it's let's say they buy into Jaden Daniels and they say this is our, you know, we missed on on Lamar Jackson in 2018. Right. Here's our chance to get right. Then you take Jaden Daniels all day. Yeah. But if they're like eh, Jaden Daniels, he gets hurt a lot. Drake May super inconsistent. But Joe Alt, you're like this is a Hall of Fame left tackle. Yeah. Then yeah, you take Joe Alt absolutely. And even if they think Marvin Harrison is also a Hall of Fame wide receiver, Joe Alt. And I, Joe Alt still the just, right pick. I would just look at the the way that the league is trending and the good teams in the league. And it's, you would be really hard pressed to find a team right now that you could say legitimately has a chance to win the Super Bowl that has a bad offensive line. It, right. th- it doesn't exist. And I could ease more easily find a team that doesn't have the quarterback in the traditional sense, the elite uh, yeah. quarterback, San Francisco, and Detroit, to, right, and say that that team has a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy because Trent Williams is his starting left tackle, right? Or in in Detroit, where the whole offensive line is is a bunch of the studs. age. I think, and you can speak more to why this is happening schematically, like teams going more too high yeah. and things like that. The age of get a dominant quarterback, he's going to throw for five thousand yards every year. You're going to be in the AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game every year. It's trending away from that. I'm not saying that quarterback's no longer important it still absolutely is yeah but you are starting to see a trend back towards more well-rounded football yeah and I just think that you need to be you need to be mindful of the fact that this Patriots team is not necessarily a a, a rookie quarterback away from being a, a Super Bowl competitor and I think no, but, that, but I think they're a strong offseason away from being like a potential 9-10 win team. Maybe, but I think that I would rather, and I think this is what, what they did in 21, and I think this is a big reason why it didn't work, 
in 21, they went for the instant gratification method. Right. They, they spent like crazy in free agency. They drafted a first-round quarterback, and it, it worked off the top, right? They win 10 right. games, they go back to the playoffs. I'm much more interested this time around in sustainability. Well, because they stopped. They stopped. They didn't add anybody the next two years. Fine, but I, I really feel like, in general, they went for a quick fix. And I, oh, wa- yeah. I want a sustainable model. And I, I think building the offensive line, building out the pieces around the quarterback and all that type of stuff is still important. And I look at Joe Alt. I know that, you know, you like Joe Alt over Fashanu. I, I, I probably will too eventually. So I think, uh, but I think both of those guys are blue chip type. They're, they're very close. Fashanu probably has a little more ceiling. But like, there's a little more variance and there's a little more risk. Where alt, like, you're getting a guy that's going to step in and he's going to be starting left tackle for for 10, yeah. 15 years. He's going to make a couple pro, pro Bowls, might make an all uh, uh, all pro team or two. Whereas like Fashanu might just be like an average starting tackle. He might be a perennial all pro. Yeah. But the, uh, alt there's has more variance with it. Alt has better size. He has more experience. He's been a cleaner player. The the, the real difference for me is. Fashanu had a really rough game against Ohio State, which is, I mean, the, not in pass protection. He had seven pressures. Oh, did he really? Yeah, the guy hasn't allowed a sack in like three years. No, so. he allowed a lot of pressures though. Yeah, um, I mean, he got uh, uh, um, Jack Sawyer and uh, I, I like Tui Alu or I forget the other yeah. guy's name. Like those are both top one hundred draft pick. At like those are going to be right Ohio State he's, edge guys. Right, he, we know how they are. He's certainly Fashanu is uh, he's. He's an athletic specimen, but he's his technique and things like that are a little bit more raw. Joe Alt is like your your prototypical ready-made starting left tackle. In Set the it league. and forget it. Right. Uh, whereas Fashanu has a, a huge upside to him because of his athleticism. So Sorry, PFF uh, Fashanu against Ohio State didn't allow a sack, but he allowed six pressures. Okay. So not seven. But he allowed ten all year. Right. So that's the thing. It's like he allowed— That's the one bad game he had. But it's against. I mean, great. He blanked. He he had a clean sheet against UMass. Okay, well, sick. Okay, oh my god, he played more than just UMass on. That but schedule. like, they didn't really play. Like he 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 allowed one pressure and had one penalty against Michigan. It, Big okay. Ten kind of sucked this year. That's here, just here, here's the point though. Yeah. The I, I the point is is that you still in my mind, I the offensive line is a major major need for this team in the off season, and yes. it's twofold. One. I, I feel as though it's very, very difficult to build an offensive line through the veteran market. There's not a whole lot of surplus at offensive line. There's certainly not a lot of good offensive linemen, especially at the tackle position league-wide. Those guys don't move very often, and if they do, it either costs you a ton of money, like Teron Armstead, for example, in Miami, or it's via trade, like Trent Williams to San Francisco. Right? They don't, right. Those guys don't come available too often. If you look at the free agent market that's slated right now at tackle, there's a pretty strong argument that Michael Onwenu, as a guard playing tackle, might be the best tackle in free agency this year. And he's, Best right tackle, for sure. And he's your guy, right? Yeah. Like, he's already here. We talked a ton about tackles in free agency last year. McGlinchey, McGarry, Juwan Taylor. Right. Uh, those types of that guys. That was the year Orlando to get Brown. the guy. We, they probably should have done it last year, but at the same time, Mike McGlinchey just got his freaking lunch money handed to yeah. him by Josh Uche. Like, he's had a bad year, yeah. Mike McGlinchey, with the Broncos, and the Broncos owe him a ton of money. 
moving forward. So I think what you run into the risk of is that you're going to sign a tackle in free agency who's really like a C-plus player, but you're playing him A-plus money. You're playing him top-of-the-market money, which I just don't think is necessarily good for business. So it's I think it's going to be really difficult to find the left tackle via the veteran market, whether that be trade or free agency. And looking at their situation right now, Trent Brown, I don't know if Trent Brown's going to play another down for the Patriots. I Can I be honest with you? Yes. It would not be the most surprising thing in the world to me if Trent Brown came back. I don't think he's going to. And I would. I, I, would, I would be absolutely floored. I think it, here's the way it plays out because it's the way I've, it's played I, out the last few years. I've defended Trent Brown a lot because yeah. I think when he's – when he's locked in, he's a starting caliber left so, tackle. And and, those and, don't grow on Let me be fair. This is a critique of the Patriots. This is not a defense of Trent Brown. Okay. They're going to get to free agency. Like, they don't they, – they clearly won't address tackle in the draft. They won't do yeah. it at the top of the draft. They don't want to do it. They're going to get to free agency, and they're going to see Tyron Smith, and he's going to want a lot of money, and they're going to see Jonah Williams, and he's going to want a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't and, even – like, Jonah Williams has all sorts of flaws. I, right. I, I don't even Tra- know. But, but my point is, like, Trent Brown's going to get to free agency. He's going to be asking for top-of-the-market tackle money. He's not going to get it because of the way it ended here. At the end of the day, you know, they last, need, they need, it's going to be last call. They need There's going to be move. two people left in the bar. They need to move on from Patri- people the, like Trent the Brown. The Patriots see a starting-caliber tackle. They don't have to pay starting-caliber tackle money, and Trent Brown sees a team that's at least willing to come close to his number, even if it is a value deal for the team. They're made for each other. They, it is a toxic relationship. They, that's how he came back last time. They need to They need to move on from people like Trent Brown. So they, they, they that those types of people with that type of attitude, like he's not. I a, know, but he's a, he, he's he, an affordable Alex, starting caliber Alex, tackle. He's, he didn't play. I, I agree. Just, with just wait. Everything. Just wait. Okay. He didn't practice yesterday. Yeah. We get the injury report. What does it say? Illness. Illness, Illness my ass. Right. Like get get out Mike there. Mike Reese dude. kind of had a cryptic tweet that like, suggested he. It was a slap not, on the Not wrist. only that, but he plays, what, like 25 snaps in the game on Sunday. Yeah. He's moving at half speed. Like, like everybody else is moving faster than him, and it's not because he's 380 pounds. It's because he's not trying. So, again. He's l- literally stopped playing in the middle of the play with Tyquan Thornton on the jet sweep. If he, if he throws a block, Tyquan Thornton might score. Let me. And he just. He just st- stands there. Let like, me I'm say done again, with it. Like, I would not bring on. him back. They should not bring him back. I would much rather them just go with a, a younger guy, even if they don't draft it at the top of the draft. Like, draft some Matt, draft Matt Light. Draft somebody in the second Patrick round. Patrick Paul. Um, I'm not saying I'd bring him back. Let me be clear about that. I, for all the reasons you just said, they need no, to. It, they no, need a more complete plan of tackle. say, oh, like, this but might happen. They've it's gone year to year. All right. So, do you want PFF's top free agent tackles, by the way? Yes. Just so Because yes, this helps your Joe Alt argument. Yeah. Number one, Tyron Smith. But he's like old. Yeah, he's like forty. Number two, Trent Brown. Oh my God. That's the that's the number two tackle yeah. available. And by the way, I I think that's correct based on yeah. the rest of this list. Yeah. Number three, Mike Onwenu. Yeah. But he's because he only he plays right tackle. Right. right. That's why he's below. I do think at this point he's a better option than Trent Brown. Uh, number four, Mackay Becton. Oh my number God. Number five, Jonah Williams. Number six, Austin Jackson. Number seven, Donovan Donovan Smith. Your number eight tackle available, Evan. Jermaine Illuminor, number nine, George Fant, who's going to retire. He's like, what, 38? Yeah, this is my point, And number though. 10, Josh Jones. No, I wanted to give this to you to help you make your point. This is my point. point. Like, wh- where are they getting and the just tackle to be, from? Just to be fair, next up, Isaiah Wynn. Yeah, where are they getting the tackle from? And on top of the fact that the free agent market stinks, 
maybe some veteran tackle a team, you know, has like a Teron Armstead situation where the Saints had to move money and it wasn't going to work and they end up moving on from Teron Armstead and he goes to Miami. Maybe something like that comes to fruition, but I don't know where else the tackle is going to come from. And right now, without Dante Scarnecchia walking through the door, I don't have any confidence in them developing tackles. So, like, if they're going to draft somebody, you can't just say, oh, we're going to draft a tackle in the fourth round and we're going right. to turn him into a Which player Which is what anymore. they're still trying to do. Right. You can't do that anymore because you don't have the coaching to do that anymore. So, I look, I would take the quarterback at the top of the draft. I'm not arguing against that. Yeah. I am just telling you that the one way that you can finally solve what's been probably the biggest issue for this team the last two years, which is tackle, is by drafting one near the top of the draft because – is it going to like, I don't know if it's going to be Adrian Clem. Is it going to be Billy Yates? Is it going to be another hire? You know, like who's going to be running the offensive line? It's just the offensive line is an absolute right. mess for this team. Every single week, they have no tackles. Their, their tackles don't are, are either hurt or weren't good to begin with, or are also hurt. Right. And now you have the situation where you're one good offensive lineman besides David Andrews, who, by the way, might retire. Right. And so now you have a huge hole at center that you're filling too. the one guy that you have that that's a solid NFL offensive lineman is a free agent is going to want the bag. So Give like a hundred percent, I'm giving the bag to on whether he's playing guard or he's playing tackle, I don't care. But the point being, they have to find a left tackle. It can't be Trent Brown. You can't go down that road. It can't be Connor McDermott's and Vidarian Lowe's of the world. They need to have a real solution at that position, and the only way that they're going to do it is using a top 40 pick on one. That's the only way. So I don't – I. I texted you last night and said I want to yeah. talk about the college football playoff. I don't know if you want to do it now no, or I, you want I, I to do, do it wanna, later. I, I want well, to do that later. All right, there's there's – Guys, you need to watch a tackle because okay. you talk about top 50. There's a couple guys you need to yeah, watch. Yeah, the kid at Washington's pretty good too, right? Uh, uh, Troy Fatano, yeah. yeah. So he's one of them. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. There's a couple guys. So uh, I, I do want to talk about the current team a little bit. I, I think yeah. the, the two biggest things coming can, out. Can, can I add one more thing on this, on the Alt-Harrison thing? Everybody says, oh, you know, they can't draft receivers. Yeah. Harrison is the most can't-miss receiver in the last 10 years. Like, what a perfect way for them to just kind of hit it is – Let's say it's the same regime back coaching. It's Bill yeah. Belichick with Bill O'Brien, Troy Brown's wide receivers coach. Right. Uh, and everybody kind of says they're Marvin Harrison proof, right? Like like Marvin Harrison is so good it won't matter. Yeah. Are we sure it's not the other way around? Is Marvin Harrison them proof? Is he so good yes. I think Marvin that Harrison they them can't proof. blow it? I, I think Marvin Harrison. I, I don't yeah. know. Yes. I don't know about that. I think he is now in Patriots luck like he'll get hurt or something like that. Well, but. and that's one of the big knocks on him. And they don't handle it well when young receivers get hurt. That's been a, a long-time trend of theirs. Okay, but I, I'm not worried about his talent. I, I just – the court, the the receiver – you can't draft the receiver first. It's yes. just not the way that the order of operations works. You're going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. He's not going to have a quarterback to throw him the ball. He's not going to have an offensive line to block for the quarterback. So, like, even if it's, like, a Bailey Zappi type guy who might be able to get him the ball with some protection, like, you're not going to have the protection. So right. you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. standing 30 yards down the field, frustrated as all hell because he can't get the ball because the quarterback and the offensive line can't get it to him. Like, what good does that do? And I get there's, like, an adding talent argument and maybe, you know, long-term, like, eventually you have the quarterback and you have the line, and now all of a sudden you have Marvin Harrison Jr. I get that, but now we're looking at it as, like, Marvin Harrison Jr., is going to reach his potential in New England, and you're like three or four, and now right. we're going to have to pay him, and now we're like already kicking that can so, down the road. 
one, I know you want to get off it, and I keep saying one more thing, but I think it's important for this argument. And I think it's good people hear this. You talk about, all right, even if you don't take Joe Alt, you still need to get the tackle like later on, right? And yeah. The, the, the tricky thing about this is you can probably get the tackle, whether you trade back up late in the first, you take him with your first, second. Like, there's going to be a couple good tackles on the board there. That's it. Yeah. You, the, the depth in this tackle class, the guys that are going to go on, on, you know, day three in this class, a lot of them would be undrafted in, in previous years. Like, it's just not yeah. a deep class at all. Wide receiver, on the other hand. Do you know how many wide receivers are currently projected to go in the first round? You don't need to name them all. No, but just, you, you just may, the just number to make we, a point. We got to move on. Eight. Yeah. And that's just in the first round. There are guys who are going to go in the second round. I'll give you one guy, for instance, uh, A.D. Mitchell from Texas. Yeah. A.D. Mitchell last year would have been my number one receiver on the board. Two years ago, A.D. Mitchell would have been my number one receiver on the board. He's going to be a second-round pick this year. You can get really good receivers outside of the top 50 in this draft. You can get instant contributors outside of the top 50. That's not the case of tackle. Not at all. And obviously it's not the case of quarterback. It's never been the case of quarterback. Right. So you do have to play the board a little bit. That's just part of it. Okay. So let, let's talk about the, the, <laughs> 40 minutes later. Uh, let, let's, that was a really good conversation. I think it was I, a good conversation I know, to have. I, know. I hope people learn something. Uh, very... very uh, Never mind. Uh, let, no, let, what? Let's what? No, 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 Don't, don't like, well, actually people now. All right. They don't, people don't like that. Okay. No. Like, what were you going to say? No, that's what I was going to say. Mm. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't put your nose up to everybody that's upset. Okay. Mm. Uh, anyways, let's talk a little bit about the current team. I, I think the two, the two main things uh, coming out of this game uh, that we have to discuss are basically is your mind changed. Does your mind, does any of this like two out of three wins and like let's just take all the feelings about the draft out of it for a second and just look at it in a vacuum? Uh, does it change your mind about Bill Belichick? Does it change your mind about Bailey Zappi? Because that that's I think the in the here and now that's like the questions about yeah, the team. Uh, no, it doesn't. They scored 19 points on offense. Yeah, I know. Like, and they were like three of something on third three down. Three of 13. Well, eight, I'll, I'll even give them credit. Three and outs or seven three and I'll outs give, or something. I'll give them credit. They were three of 12 on third down because the 13th was the, the when they clocked the ball. So uh, okay. you don't need to pick that up. But uh, no, because, again, it's not move on from Bill because the team is a 10-loss team, 10-plus loss team in 2023. It's move on from Bill because the roster has fallen into such a state of despair yeah. that this is where they are. I still believe Bill can coach the moves. If anything changed, I feel stronger about that fantasy world that's not going to happen where Bill basically goes to Robert and says, you know what? Have somebody else build the roster. I'm going to Nantucket. I'll see you for OTAs in May. Like, right. I, I, I want that even more now. But that's not going to happen. But I don't want it enough where I'm willing to stick with Bill Belichick as the GM. I think they need. A, I still think they need a fresh voice. Yeah, because you still yeah. saw the issues with the roster that have compounded over the last few years flare up in this game, even though they won. Yeah, I feel like they're just there is something to be said for the fact that at this point uh, they're also just playing worse teams, right? Like Pittsburgh, Denver, like they're just not they're not the Eagles, right? Like they're right, not right. they're not Miami in week two. Uh, Dallas, well, when the when the losing really started to to permeate, I, I I would just say that with Bill, I would agree with you that the ideal situation is, is that he stays on and, and coaches and hands personnel off to somebody else. I just don't know how. But like, we, truly, does it not symbolically? Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. like he leaves. But I don't know how we realistically execute that because 
ultimately the personnel guy, let's call it yeah. Adam Peters, just for argument's sake. Right. Adam Peters is going to draft a player and then he's going to hand that player to Bill, who's then going to coach him, develop him, and then put him in a role. And Bill's roles and Bill's vision for his football team is not going to change. Right. So Adam Peters can go out and he can draft uh, a a four two receiver like the Patriots did with Tyquan Thornton, or they can he can go out and he can uh, draft a Marty Mapu, and Bill is just going to play Marty Mapu at safety, and he's going to bench Tyquan Thornton because right. he can't run routes like that. That's just going to be that's it. That's what's going to end up happening. And how do you? It's not about just identifying talent better. Like I think that that if it yeah. was just simply they need to identify talent on the personnel side better then it would be easy to say let's put Adam Peters in charge let's put John Robinson in charge let's put you know the guy from uh, from Kansas City that I can't remember his name the assistant GM in Kansas City let's put him in charge it would be much easier to say that if Bill was also changing the vision right like the vision is the problem the problem is is that and this kind of relates to to my take on Bailey Zappi. The problem is is that their their offense right now is jump balls to Devontae Parker. Right. And that is an archaic, extinct way of playing offense. And it's why, yeah, they can make a few big plays down the stretch in a game like this, but all, like you said, they scored nineteen points. Right. And that to get to a back to being an elite offense, you need to change the way that they're structurally just above average. Sure, you need to change the way that they are structurally operating offensively. So, here's my pitch, and I, I gave this on on PU. So I'm sorry for people that that listen to both shows. Here's my pitch: If I'm not saying I'm advocating for keeping Bill, yeah, but if Bill were to stay. And yep. if Robert were just to sit there and say, I can't do it, like he's the greatest coach of all time, the, the stability is too – at this point, of it's just I want it, right? Like I, right. I, I don't want to completely start from scratch with my football team. I have a couple of different parameters of that. One, they need to hire a GM. Bill is losing GM responsibilities. Yes. They need to hire a real GM, and it can't be Macro because Macro is just going to be a puppet for Bill. No, it's got to be. But but here's the thing, and I agree with you on that 100%. It's got to be somebody who's going to actually do the job. Right. How many people can really do – there aren't that many people on the planet that you can put in there that are going to – when Bill says something, they're going to say no. Right? No, we're yeah. doing it my way. Well, that's why it has to be – somebody that's done it before i think there's three people realistically that you could hire for that role and yeah. i'm not sure any of them would do it thomas dimitros probably the most realistic yeah. option john robinson and yeah. then the long shot but like in theory if his qualifications his qualifications check out but i don't think he'd do it scott Pioli. yeah Those i don't are know the if only scott Pioli is getting back into i hope it. he doesn't because he's great on tv but yeah. uh those are probably is is there anybody else that when bill goes into the draft room and says i want dallas turner fourth overall is going to say no. I'm sure there is, right? Like, I'm sure somebody does have that type of backbone, but ultimately that – so here's the thing. That that general manager yeah. that we're talking about – and again, I, I'm not advocating for keeping Bill. I would still move on as well, but if, right? It, let's just play it out. If he, they were going to keep him, the GM that was in place answers to ownership. He doesn't answer to Bill. Right. Like his boss needs to be Robert Kraft. Yeah. And he needs to have complete control of the 53 man roster. Like that's his team. It's his roster. 
Bill's just coaching. Bill at this point is Andy Reid, right? Like, right. You, you know, Brett Veach is handing Andy Reid uh, a pile of draft picks, and here you go, coach. Like, this is your group, right? That's what needs would need to happen. I think there probably are people that we don't necessarily know off the top of our heads that do exist that would have that kind of backbone. But that that's on the crafts to find that right. person, right? So that that's item number one. You're handing personnel off. Item number two. I still think Bill O'Brien's a good coach. If Bill O'Brien is the guy that they want leading the offense, that's fine. Uh, but Bill O'Brien and the general manager are running offense. Those two guys are making the personnel decisions on offense. Those two guys are making the schematic, you know, what the direction that we're taking the offense in from a, a an X's and O's standpoint. They're running offense. Yeah. I don't want Bill anywhere near the offense. I don't want, I don't want him touching it. Well, that's kind of like what we talked about when we were talking about them hiring an offensive coordinator last year, a head coach of the offense. Right. Like Josh McDaniels. So those two guys are going to be in lockstep of what the vision is, what the personnel needs to be, where the holes are, and then obviously what the schematic direction of the offense is going to be. Item number three, and this once we get to all three of these, you're going to see even more how ridiculous this would be for Bill to say yes yeah. to this, right? Item number three, I'm giving O'Brien full autonomy of his coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. Like let him like hire his own guys. Okay. He has one of his own guys. It's Will Lying, the tight ends coach. I don't know who hired Adrian Clem, but Adrian Clem, I, I want to be sensitive about the fact that it, it's an illness or health-related situation, right? So I, I, I don't know what's going on with Adrian Clem. Yeah. But Adrian Clem, I, I think, was a bill hire. I mean, has Bill written all over it, right? right. Former player for the Patriots. Well, they interviewed the him for OC before right. O'Brien was here. So Right. So... I don't know if Adrian Clem is going to be back here simply because of his health situation. So that offensive line coach hire needs to be Bill O'Brien's hire. If Bill O'Brien doesn't feel like Troy Brown and Vinny Sinceri, Vinny Sinceri running backs coach, Troy Brown wide receivers coach, obviously, if he doesn't feel like those two guys are getting the job done, he needs to go get his own guys. Right. So they, I feel like they kind of like, told bill o'brien like this is your this is your staff right like this is the guys that you're working with figure it out and i'm not saying that all of those guys are are bad coaches or anything like that uh but ultimately that's that's not how it should have been done like josh mcdaniels had his staff like carm brasilla is his guy right mick lombardi i know he has the all the, the john like, carroll guys right it's you know those are his guys so i i think that they have to get back to doing all of that so a GM that has control of personnel handing over the offense to the GM and the offensive coordinator and allowing the offensive coordinator to hire his own staff. I think I can just like drive the car to the airport so for Bill, Bill because he's not doing that. Your, your pitch is basically Bill's a defensive coordinator that's allowed to call timeouts during the game. That's your pitch. <laughs> Nailed it. Look, I, I, I'm it. not saying it would be a bad setup, but yeah. he's not going to do that. There's no way he would. But right. you, so that that's how that's how ridiculous that we've gotten to the point where like that's not even feasible, and like that's what it would really realistically need to be, and that that's just do not. You know happen. what? Uh, this is a deep college football term. Um, uh, HC. I've actually only seen it written out. I, I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce it or HCINO. I don't know. Hisinko. Oh, okay. Head coach and name only. It's when. A college football head coach is basically a figurehead, and he's not really 
Like, he's he's there. He's calling timeouts on the sideline. He's doing the, the press conferences. But I just wish that, like, I, the, my whole thing about it is, is that I just wish that Bill would embrace being more like what Andy Reid is when, in Kansas City. Not this year because he's had to take back over the offense because right. the enemy's not there. But Kansas City with the enemy, like, Andy Reid was literally just there for a good time. Like, yeah. he, he just would show up. He's the CEO. Yeah, he would show up. He'd, you know – QC everything. He drop fun plays like just let let Bill just like drop pressure schemes, you know, and like uh, game plan for like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen all all the time. Like don't right. all this uh, other stuff. I, I just I don't know at this point of uh, at seventy one years old. Like I don't know if Bill has the, has it in him anymore to have his hands in so many different things. So you have to empower other people to go out and do some of that stuff. That's how, that's I think what it, the bottom line is. It's nothing to do with like me trying to disrespect Bill's football mind. Like he obviously has a fantastic football mind, maybe the best ever. But I, I think at this point in his life, he needs to allow some other people to do some other things. And I I just wonder if if he could just embrace that type of role of. Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, like these other guys that are just kind of out there and they're making sure that it's a tight ship. They're making sure that, that, you know, the, the, the game plan and everything is getting done the proper way. And then they're also just having fun with scheme. Right. Right. That, that, that's, that all the like crazy crap that Kansas city does on offense, all that stuff gets cooked up in Andy Reid's mind because he's not focused on, you know, signing claiming Marco Wilson off of waivers right like that, that's not on his plate like that type of you know Nathan Rourke like that, that he's not worried about that kind of stuff whereas with Bill right now it's all on Bill everything is on Bill to do it all and I think at this point maybe he's at his age he's he's stretched too thin and I, I don't think that that's a realistic scenario for him to accept that maybe you it, it if they really feel strongly about bringing back Bill, maybe he accepts like two out of three of those things, right? You know, right. instead of all of it. But that that's a, that would be my my pitch to him is that you need to start giving in to some of these other people. Like you need to start giving some power, seceding some power to some younger guys, some more visionary guys on the offensive side of the ball, and, and allow them to take over because defensively they're still really. Uh, well-coached defense and whether you want to give that credit the bill or the assistance I, I think it's both right but ultimately that's that's where he that's Bill's side of the ball he's the defensive guru and and they're still yeah. really good I mean they just got Russell Wilson benched and probably cut by the Denver Broncos because by the third quarter the guy was seeing ghosts as Bill yeah. you know was scheming up pressure against the Broncos one of their better pressure games of the year just in terms of cooking it up right and, right. and that I think is is something that Bill can still really do at a high level with Bailey Zappi uh I, I mentioned this earlier and I, I feel like this is our this is kind of segues into it with me I, I think with Bailey Zappi uh I am no longer going to sit here and tell you that Bailey Zappi is you know I'm not gonna take him lightly anymore I feel like in the in the off season and training camp because of what we saw and I and I, yeah. I I still stand by what we saw yes. at practice but between last year and and the training camp this year I, I will fully admit hand up that I was very dismissive of Bailey Zappi I was like this guy is not it I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to entertain Bailey Zappi as a starting quarterback for the Patriots over Mac Jones. I'm not doing that. It's Mac's team, that sort of thing. I, I'm 
opening my mind up to to embracing the the fever, right? And embracing right. Zappy a little bit, but I still think he's a backup quarterback. Like I'm still not saying like we're hitching our wagon to Bailey Zappy, uh, but he's got a little bit of something something. Like he can yeah. move around a little bit. Uh, he's got a little bit more gunslinger off platform, you know, uh broken extended play type of stuff to him than Mac Jones does. He just looks more natural playing quarterback. Like Mac Jones looks like a quarterback that's been drilling quarterback drills since the sixth grade. Right. Like, and he's just like a quarterback robot, right. At this point where when things happen in the course of a game with Mac Jones, that he's not expecting to happen, like a a pressure breaks through or they, they're playing a different coverage and they're that, then he, he, self you know implodes right right whereas with bailey zappy he's got a little bit more of like a natural instinct and playmaking gene to the game and i think that this offense needed that like they needed somebody that was just going to play a little bit looser and i and that is why i think that they've been a little bit better with bailey zappy yeah he kind of looks like mac did his rookie year a little bit i think before he obviously you know had to spend two years behind that offensive line yeah I, I, i like uh, a big question this week has been: Would the Patriots be better if Bailey Zappi had started from Week One? I I don't think so because of what you said. Like he struggled so much in camp, and he even talked about yesterday how it took him some time to to learn the offense and get yeah. comfortable in the offense. And could they have made the switch a little bit sooner? Yes, but I think at at, at that point, by the time Zappi was ready, they were who they were. Right, yeah. and it was they, they were not going to be a playoff team, and it's funny. A lot of the same people complaining about draft positioning are the same people complaining. Oh, they should have gone to Zappy sooner. Well, which one do you really want, or do you just want to complain? I, I think with him, and it, this is a perfect year to talk about this. I think people think that it's like, for example, in Cincinnati, that that Joe Burrow has this like vastly different skill set than a guy like Jake Browning has. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the case. It's the, the the biggest divider between uh, a guy like Joe Burrow and a guy like uh, uh, Jake Browning or a guy like uh, any of the other, like when you, when you have the class of like the Kirk Cousins, right? And that yeah. group and the starters who've gone down this year and Deshaun Watson. And then you have like uh, uh, Josh Dobbs and, and Jake Browning and that group. It's consistency. Yeah. Like you don't get this far without being able to do some pretty spectacular stuff with the football. Right. Just in any regard. To be a backup quarterback in the NFL, Tim Boyle had five touchdowns, 13 interceptions at UConn. He's in the NFL. Part of it's because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers. But, (laughs) like, you have to be able to have some level of ability. The difference is, like, the the throw Jake Browning made to T. Higgins the other week. Outstanding throw. But Jake Browning only makes that throw – two of every 10 times, three of every 10 times, right? Right. Whereas Joe Burrow makes it eight or nine out of every 10 times. That's the difference. When you have a guy like Bailey Zappi, I I think Bailey Zappi is one of these guys. Tommy DeVito is another one, right? Where Tommy DeVito was the hottest name in football for two weeks there. And now he's benched because, yes, he can do it. You don't get this far without being able to do some of those things, but he he couldn't do it regularly. And kind of once teams figured out what his comfort zone was, he didn't really have a plan B to go off of. I think that's who Bailey Zappi is. Yeah, he he does have some some abilities, and I do think he's going to be in this league for a long time as a backup, as a bridge starter. Right. Like you know, a guy like Jacoby Brissett when he came out in the draft, I compare him to Chase Daniel. Yeah, like yeah. he's going to be around forever. Yeah, Chase, because Ch- I, I like right now, I feel like he's like you know Chase Daniel for might be 
before some people that actually listen to our show. Yeah. Uh, like Taylor Heineke is right. like another guy that I feel like is yeah, just going like to bounce exactly. around as a backup and, and, quarterback and there's forever. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But yeah. you see it, the splits between the first half and the second half. Right. And even in that game, he had some misthrows, some misreads. Yeah. It's just not consistent enough for to be like, all right, this is the guy we're going to build around. This is the guy we're going to Yeah, I, I think consistency is exactly the word that I would use or like yeah. sustainability because – I think you can see it just in games from one half to the other or going back to like the Charger game versus this Broncos game. The biggest difference between the Charger game and this Broncos game was that Devontae Parker made the catches in the Broncos right. game. So in the, against the Chargers, uh, Bailey Zappi was one for five on deep passes. Against the Broncos, he was three for three. Like that that's the difference. And some of it? those were like, I mean, one of those ones, he throws it just to a spot and Parker gets it. Like I wouldn't yeah. say it's an outstanding throw. It's just Parker, right. Parker, beats Parker, Sertan to the ball. Parker makes a play this week. Pop Douglas makes a play down the field this week, but those, there's a reason why those are called 50, 50 balls. It's right. some weeks it's going to work and some weeks it's not. And we see that half to half with Bailey Zappi. We see that from the charger game to the Broncos game. Like you can see it in, ta- in tangible evidence yeah. of, one one half it works against the Steelers. The second half it doesn't work against the Steelers. And I feel like that's the way that that his game is right now. So in order for me to let to really be like, this guy deserves a chance yeah. to compete next year for the starting job. I need to see his consistency, especially in the short game, which is where he's had issues in in camp, and he's had those issues have continued uh, into the regular season. He had three or four opportunities to beat the Blitz last week where they actually had it drawn up correctly. They had the hot, and they had the protection going the right direction, and he just airmails the throw. You know, second drive of the game, he has Pop Douglas in the flat, and he just rushes the throw, and it's nowhere near him. He had Pop Douglas later on in the game on a zero blitz, and the throw was nowhere near him. Right. The play to Zeke in the flat, they ended up hitting it for the touchdown later on. That it, it was a tough catch because the ball placement wasn't perfect. And it was an open throw against a blitz that all he's got to do is put it on Zeke Elliott there, and it might be a touchdown, and instead it's a drop. And like those little things like that, if he can clean that stuff up and he can be more consistent, yeah. you know, he went to the podium yesterday and he brought up the Farrell Brown play down the field that yeah. he felt like he missed. You're going to miss some reads like that in the right. NFL. You know, it happens to, it, you needed to, you were a little bit sped up. You could, the ball came out a little bit sooner than you wanted to, but once the ball comes out, everybody's converging on Zeke Elliott. And now all of a sudden it looks like Farrell Brown is wide open down the field. I'm not going to knock him for all those little that those types of misses, the reads as as you know you would put it. It's more the throws that are are an issue. Like when he gets blitzed and he's got Pop Douglas and Douglas sits down and is right, you know, 5 yards away from him and he throws it all the way over here, like you can't have that. Like he's right. got to be able to make those types of And the of other throws. thing is and I think the reason maybe so many people are high on him cuz he does look much better than Mac Jones obviously. Yeah. And he's more confident and poised than Mac right but, now. But no the doubt other about it. the other part about it is and this this is like better than Mac Jones can't be the bar. It just can't yeah. like that's not that doesn't mean Yeah. right and I, I think one of the big differences is Mac would get a rusher in his face and he'd throw a pick. And yeah. he would just he or a turtle. He couldn't well no no no, but here's my point. He couldn't get there were times, too many times where he couldn't get the ball out of his hand fast enough. Yeah. And I think Bailey Zappy he's getting sacked a lot. Yeah. And I think he's turning a lot of those into sacks. So it looks better because 
he's getting sacked instead of getting picked, and maybe right. they go three and out. But hey, he's not throwing all these interceptions. Yeah, I mean his turnover worthy play rate is lower. Right, and their explosive play rate has skyrocketed. But I'm saying like his turnover worthy plays play rate is lower, but he's taking a ton of sacks, and it's now can you go get the guy that instead of turning those empty rushes into sacks is going to be able to break away and do something with it. Like that's the next I, step. I, I think just, that he's done that a little bit too, though. Like his pocket mobility is definitely a little better. bit, but not, I, I still think that he, there's times where he's just holding the ball way too long. And, Maybe I, I, I feel like his pocket mobility is, is probably his best trait. Like his ability to bounce around the pocket and move off his spot and reset, like the throw to pop Douglas, yeah. you know, he has the rusher coming off the edge and he just steps through the pocket and makes a throw. He, I, I thought his best, uh, you know, bit of pocket mobility was the little check down to Zeke on the game winning drive. Vidarian Lowe gets spun around by by the edge rusher there, and he's able to just kind of bob and weave out of the sack and then just make a little check down. That's a five yards that you know that makes it a sixty yard field goal instead of a yeah. fifty six. No, yard you're, field you're goal. right. I just I just he's you don't think there's still some like real deer in the headlights moments with him. Not not in this game, no. Maybe a little bit in Kansas City because okay. they had a you know Kansas City. I thought a lot of the issues that they had with picking up pressure were 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 pre snap mental things, right? Like setting mic points and things like that. And there were guys that I don't think he expected to be yeah. free that were free, like on the corner blitz. Like I, right. he didn't expect the corner blitz to come, and so he's you know standing there and it's coming off his backside and he just never sees it coming. Right. And, yeah. and so those types of plays, I, I see that. Uh, but I, I think that his his ability to move around the pocket, even with Mac at his best, I think is significantly better than Mac Jones. Yeah. And, but again, like that's not the bar. I still just think it, it, it's been the year of the backup quarterback. Right. All yeah. these guys having their 15 minutes, Josh Dobbs, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Outside of Joe Flacco, which is its own thing. Yeah. I mean, I just I feel like Bailey Zappi, that's. You know, he's having his 15 minutes right now. He's where Tommy DeVito was two right. weeks ago. He's where Josh Dobbs was a month ago. I couldn't agree more. I He's got a six-game sample size because he's, he's going to start the last two games of the year, right? So he's going to have a six-game sample size, and that's a lot bigger, obviously, than the two-game right. sample size that we got last year. So in six games, that's almost half a season or at least a third of a season. I, I think we're in a position where we can really say – is this a real thing or is this a flash in the pan? He's going to play Buffalo and then he's going to play a pretty good Jets defense the week after that. Those are two, a playoff team and a good defense. If he goes toe to toe with Josh Allen, now I, Mac Jones did in week seven, he went, he right. won a game against Josh Allen going toe to toe with him. Uh, so I'm not saying that it's something Mac has never done, uh, but I, there's going to just, you wait, like there's going to be a groundswell of people that are, are going to really be like, why not? why not Bailey Zappi? And I, I just wanted us to kind of lay out right now, like yeah. why not Bailey Zappi? Like what right. are the biggest reasons? All right, let's take some phone calls and then we'll get to three up, three down. Uh, Patty's been hanging on. What's up, Patty? What's going on guys? Can you hear me? Hey. Yes, we got you. All right. Uh, I'll take you out Bluetooth. So it's interesting what you guys were talking about as far as like the possibility of Bill coming back because uh, that's, what I wanted to ask you, I mean, one thing we said, and we, I mean, like the collective fans and what we've talked about on PU before the season started, we said, if this team's going to have a great season, then Mac Jones needs to take that next step. And it hasn't happened. So offensively, we're inept because the quarterback sucks. And they made the switch way too late, which who knows what would happen, but they probably would have looked very similar. That being said, if 
Mr. Kraft does bring Belichick back, and I don't see a scenario where he brings him back and he's not the general manager. I mean, he's got to say, Bill, look, we took the quarterback, and he stunk up the place. That's why, that's why we that's why we suck this year. We have to take a quarterback. We have to take another quarterback. And, um, I mean, do you think do you think Bill would get his panties in a bunch if that was the case, or do you think he do you think he recognizes what happened in, in 2021? And I'll leave it with that. And great show, guys, as always. Thanks, Patty. So here, here's two parts of that question. I feel like one: do, do I think that there's a chance that Bill is back? Yes, because I think just putting myself in in Robert Kraft's shoes, I think it's a lot easier to in the moment when the season's happening in like let's just take germany because i know that that's the tom right. current report right like that was right. the final straw you're sitting there in germany mac jones and bailey zappy just threw picks on back-to-back drives to lose the game and what's basically a home game a lot invested into that game in terms of the organization and all that kind of stuff and it's just it's just a terrible game right and you lose it's a lot easier to come off of that and just say we need to fire bill Right. Right. Then it is to get to January 8th and Bill comes into your office to have that meeting that they have every single year of resetting, you know, state of the union. Like, what are we going to do? And Bill's sitting across the table like we're sitting across the table from each other right now. And to look Bill in the eyes and say, you're fired. Like, you know, like I think that that's we have to just look at it from a human perspective and say that that is to tell the greatest head coach of all time a guy that's won you six Super Bowls, a guy that's had the unparalleled success that Bill Belichick has had here in New England, to sit across the table from that guy and say, you're out, I think is a lot easier said than done. So, yes, I think that there's a chance that they get cold feet about the whole yeah. thing. And I think there's – And really- I think winning games down the stretch is only going to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, that I think is tough. Uh, to answer the quarterback question, uh, I think that that's – I think that's going to be Bill's argument. I think Bill's going to go into that meeting and say, our quarterbacks stink. Like, you know, that's that's what the problem was. The problem was is that, that we don't have a good quarterback. Like, look at all these one-score losses. Look at all these losses because we turned the ball over like crazy. Like, you, you can you can talk yourself into, and I know a lot of the pro-Zappy people have done this with Zappy, like flipping games, right? If right. you had better quarterback play, like you beat the Giants, you beat the Chargers, you beat the Colts in Germany. It's a lot easier to do that with kicker than quarterback. Right. But. Yeah, like you do, you yeah. all of a sudden you can talk yourself into, well, actually, like the rest of this roster, Robert, was really like a, a, a nine or a 10 win team, but we didn't have the quarterback kept on shooting us in the foot. And that's what, that's how it unraveled on us. Like, yeah, obviously you're not going to flip the Dallas and new Orleans games, but the Raiders, the Colts, uh, you know, the, the chargers, the giants, that's four wins right there. That if you told me like you had Justin Herbert playing quarterback instead of Mac Jones, you could probably convince somebody that, that, that you could flip those games. And that's exactly what I think Bill Belichick is going to say. Well, the, the problem is I think he's going to say, and look, at the end of the year, Bailey Zappi stopped turning the ball over. I don't think he's going to go in and say, I need a new quarterback. I think he's going to say, Zappi didn't turn the ball over. That's the only thing that matters for us at the quarterback position. He doesn't turn it over. Let me get back at it. Let me keep building up this defense. Let me rebuild the offensive line. Here we go. Because, Evan, we've talked about this on the show. His whole idea is a dominant defense, an offense that just doesn't turn. They got shut out 6 nothing by the Chargers, and he was talking about how the 
the defense didn't get them good enough field position. Yeah. Right? The offense didn't right. score a point. He comes out and he blames the defense. Right. So I absolutely see that as a as a, as a cha- thing where he goes in. He basically says, all right, Bailey Zappi's not going to turn the ball over. So the offense will be what I need it to be. Let me keep adding to the defense. Let me fix the offensive line a little bit. I think there's a real chance if he comes back, you see the same offseasons last year where they add pieces to the defense, they tinker on the margins with the offense, and they just basically do the same offseason they just did around Bailey Zappi instead of around Mac Jones. That yeah. that would It's not what I would do. I, if Bill comes back, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I don't think that that's on the table. I understand that we have to, like, realistically look at but it we've, and but say But we've it talked about be. this. If you bring Bill back, you're bringing Bill back warts and all. And if it, why is Bill going to change? If Bill comes back, why why is this year suddenly the wake up call that everything's going to be different? If I don't at that know point, if it, I don't he just walk away. I don't know if it will be a wake up call that he necessarily has on his own. I I think that that has to be the agreement between him and ownership. If there is a, a decision to come back, just kind of like last year, I think that they thought hiring Bill O'Brien was going to fix yeah. everything. That this year, I think that it so has what's to be the more one concession? Driven. So what's the one? So he gets one concession. Last year was O'Brien. Is it the quarterback this year? Is it tackle? Is it receiver? Is yeah, it, I like, think it would be it? being generally being more aggressive with adding offense. Like your bill, your defense is set, right? Like you you have your guys on defense. If you want to, you know, re-sign some of the guys on the margins, yeah. you know, that, that's not going to affect our cap. So like, go ahead. If you want to re-sign Kyle Duggar. Like that's probably the biggest money I would spend. Right. But on I, defense. but I think it's gonna. At that point, you're just gonna get tackles. You're gonna get another running back, and you might get a tight end, and that's it. Like you're not. I I don't think. I well that and that but that would be my point, right? Like that, I, you have to be more aggressive. But than but that. but I, I I think. I mean he 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 was on radio yesterday and he raved about Bailey Zappi, like yeah. raved about him. I think what Zappi's showing him right now, even in that Chiefs game. I think what he's seeing from Bailey Zappi now, like there's a chance if he's back, Bailey Zappi is the unquestioned starter coming into camp next year. Oh, I don't think so. I don't because I don't. I, think I don't if, think if the people were, in the organization would go for that. But I, I is there a chance? But, but, that, but this is my point. This is, is there a chance that it's Bailey Zappi? And I, I know you hate to hear this, but like Bo Nix, like it's it's Bailey Zappi with so it's a Bailey Zappi. It, so it's Bailey Zappi and Bailey Zappi basically. But like this is this but you is don't my, understand point. my point. No, but 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 this is my point. That's not going to happen. Is there a world where okay? And and I'm saying like ownership should absolutely have that directive. I I don't disagree with you on that. At that point, does Bill say fine, trade me? At that point, does Bill say you're not Mm -hmm. dictating how I handle the quarterback position? That's but it's not just how I do it. It's not just quarterback. That's my point, though, right? It's not just quarterback. It's it's signing a T Higgins. It's being more aggressive in the in the veteran but he's going to go to them offense. and say but he's going to he's going to come back and say our but we don't need T Higgins we want to run the ball we want to play physical we don't need this deep threat we want to just Then here's the door like I And that's my point and that's my point I don't think those two things ultimately end up it's one or the other Bills back Bills back to do it his way they're going to say we want you to be better on offense he's going to say fine but I want to be better at offense the way I want to play offense Yeah I see that's not good enough for me well, then there you go. Yeah. I just don't think you're going to suddenly turn Bill Belichick into Sean McVay. Maybe you will. I do, I'm not I, at that out. point, at that point, he'll go be Bill Belichick elsewhere, I think. As, right. as And you could argue like he has every right to do that. And, and maybe that's what he should do. But I just don't see that happening. All right. Eddie is in L.A. What's up, Eddie? What's up, guys? Um, I know all the talk for this team right now is about the offense, but... And don't get me wrong, obviously, that should be the talk. And Evan, like, 
I think in a perfect world, if we were in one, obviously this upcoming draft would be all offense, but I can't help but think that we need at least depth pieces on defense. And I'm not saying use the first-round pick on a, on defense, obviously not, but maybe like the later-round picks, especially like on the D-line, because I know Christian Barmer's like he's coming up right now, but like and Gotcha is also good. Dietrich Y is also good, but those guys are kind of getting you know a little bit up there with the age. And I would, I just think it'd be like a good idea to take a backup D line, backup corners, obviously that could like learn like um, the D line can learn from Gotcha. They can learn from Lawrence Guy. They can learn from Dietrich Wise. Maybe sit behind them for like a year at least. Like, they could learn a few moves, learn this, learn that. And I just think it could be so beneficial for the future. So I got for you guys. I'll let you guys talk about that if you guys want. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, look, you still obviously need to keep the cupboard stocked on defense. But I think to the defensive line point, like, that's what Keon White is here for. Right. Right? Like, they drafted Keon White to develop him behind those guys. Could Am I, like, in a – be blue in the face about them taking a, a edge guy in the fourth round right. like no well you will be but no no yeah you will depends on what they do in the first three i guess i, I think that there, there's one starting caliber kind of need on defense and that's free safety and that's where not the first round pick but if, if they went there in the third round yeah or you know top 100 top 150 pick premium contract that to me is the one big need as a starting free safety. It just yeah they're, yeah. They're it, gonna have a couple. I well, hang on because I, I actually want to ask you something. Uh, they're gonna have a couple other ancillary needs. Uh, they're gonna need another boundary corner. They're gonna need like a third rotational boundary right. corner. That guy you can get later on or you can get in free agency. They're probably gonna need another depth pass rusher. Here's the one really interesting one, and th- nobody's really talking about this right now. I think we touched on it briefly a show or two ago, but this is one of the first bit after you know whoever is making the decisions first they got to decide who's yeah. making the decisions whoever that is one of the first big decisions that person has to make and this is a tough one is what to do with Matthew Judon he is going to be 32 yeah he's coming off this injury he has no guaranteed money in his contract next year yeah the he, final he's year gonna of his wanna, deal. he's gonna want some money he is going to want a new deal uh if they trade him they open up or, or cut him actually it's the same they open up $5 million yeah, in I mean, cap space. the cap space, space is, is – that doesn't matter. They're okay, going to have $100 million in cap okay, space. Okay, but the, the point being, like, what do you – do you give Matthew Judon a new deal? Do you see if you can get value from him? Do you trade him? Do you just outright release him to avoid the whole thing? If they move on from Matthew Judon, and let's say Josh Uche goes, now pass rusher is a premium need. Now pass rusher – and, and that's why I know you don't want to hear it, but if Bill's still in charge – I'm gonna I'm gonna jump across the table at you right now. Two years Don't, ago, d- just like what are we doing? Like okay, so you 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 just you're worried about like what like you, that they're not gonna be able to to sack the quarterback now. They're gonna be able to get to remember the quarterback. two years ago when they had a really good starting left guard and traded him for no reason and then used the first round oh, pick to replace him. God, it's just this is the problem with this team though, and I think to to Eddie's call, I hear you that that they that they need to keep the cupboard stocked on yeah. defense. They don't have the luxury to operate like that anymore. They have immediate holes. Left tackle, quarterback, number one wide receiver. 
These are things that they need now. And I agree. and maybe five years ago, ten years ago, they could have operated in a scenario where they draft Nate Solder in the first round, knowing that he's probably not going to play right. because Matt Light is going to retire. They don't have that luxury See, anymore. See, this is this is where I'm worried. Where like Bill comes in, says, "All right, it's the year too early, year too late thing. We're moving on from Judon, and boom, I can get Dallas Turner and replace him." That's what I'd be worried about with Bill coming but, back. But that they can't think that way. Anymore. I know they can't, and I, I and that's why I they, said I'm worried about Bill coming back. Their biggest, but isn't that isn't person, that wouldn't that be if if, if nothing no. changes? Wouldn't that be their approach? If like I if I'm school. if I'm RKK, I am I am livid if they do. And something that's my like point. That. And that's my point. I fire him on the spot. But it, that that lines no, up with their get line out of thinking. With that. All right. Here, that, thing. that that thing aside. Yeah. That thing aside. Yeah. Do you bring Judon back? I bring Judon back simply because I feel like this team and this other than I like identifying talent personnel wise, I think the bigger issue with this team actually hasn't necessarily been recently in the draft, the 2022 draft, like aside, right. it hasn't necessarily been solely talent evaluation. It's been the fact that they constantly are chasing their tails at premium positions. Like they have not solved tackle so every freaking year, it's just a, a you know, Rolodex of tackles that we're just cycling through tackles. Now it's now it's Trent Brown. Now it's Connor McDermott. Now it's Vidarian Lowe. Now we're kicking on Wenu back outside. Like we're just we're constantly chasing our tail at tackles. They're constantly chasing their tail at guard. Like they just blew right. up their interior offensive line for no freaking reason. And now they're using a first round pick on a guard, a fourth round pick on a guard on they, two guards. They're they're, they're just going crazy. Right, because of a hole that they created, wide receiver, they let Jacoby Myers walk. So then they have they have to pay Juju Smith Schuster because they let Jacoby Myers walk. Instead of just adding to Jacoby Myers, we're constantly filling holes. And when you're constantly filling holes, your boat is constantly taking on water, and you're just trying to plug the holes in the boat. And I feel like for this team, getting rid of Matthew Judon, unless you have a let's just say. The only way that I'm like sitting here saying, all right, I get it, is if you have a whole new regime next year and we're completely blowing it right. up and we're we're truly starting from scratch. And we're saying to ourselves, like this is this is a rebuild. Right. Like, it's we're, a three year project. Right. This is a three year project. Because what 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 good does Judon do you during right. that? Fine. But I, I just feel like we're constantly chasing our tails at so many different positions and they don't have the luxury at the top of the draft to do the year too early instead of year too late thing and, and draft guys like that. And I feel like they did do that last year with Keon White, with Marty Mapu, yeah. with City So. With all the linemen like th- they took. Those guys are yeah. all – and it didn't help the team in the here That was a 2024 enough. draft. That draft was for 2024. Right. So that, that's why I'm saying, like, I just had this thought the other day when I was looking at Judon's contract. Like, old school Bill Belichick, this is – hundred percent what he would do. Yeah. I would bring Matthew Judon back. I think he's a valuable voice in the locker room. I think he can still play. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying his injury wasn't serious, but like in it's easier to come back from an elbow injury than like, you know, a knee injury, hip injury, back yeah. injury, something like that. So I'd bring him back. I, I would bring him back and I'd actually give him new money. I wouldn't just move money this time to avoid the situation. But that is going to be a decision that has to be made here yeah, uh, it's coming a, up. It's a fair point. All right. Let's uh And that and just sorry to bring it back, like that would be the other Free safety is the only true starting caliber need unless Judon walks. Then you add defensive end as well. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, let, let's do three up, three down real quick, and then we'll rapid fire through our, right. our rest of our, our list here. Uh, 
All right, I'll I'll just like get yeah, it out of the way. I'll get it out of the way. Number it's one Barmore. up is Christian Barmore. Uh, Christian Barmore, I, I've I've seen some really good defensive games from Patriots in my time covering the team uh, since eighteen. You know, the, a couple of those Stephon Gilmore games in two thousand nineteen his Defensive Player of the Year uh, campaign come to mind. Uh, the, you know, he just absolutely erasing guys out of games and things like that. This was up there to me. It was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen uh, in person, like with my own eyes. Right? Yeah. I'm not talking about like, you know, Von Miller in the Super Bowl in 2015 or like Lawrence Taylor in the 80s with the Giants. Like, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying in my time covering the team with my own eyes at the game, Christian Barmore, three sacks in the same quarter, two stuffs. I thought the uh, very first um, turnover on downs after the fumble – he basically took over the line of scrimmage for two straight plays and was the reason why the Broncos didn't score on that drive. Uh, absolutely dominant, dominant performance. And I, I think we're at the point with Christian Barmore where I think we can call him a star in this oh, yeah. league. He is a star player. He's been doing it all year long. And uh, he's going to be a building block for this team moving forward. Uh, th- this is by far the the most – kind of uh exciting thing that's come from this season yeah is that they have a pillar i, I believe on the defensive line with christian bar he's finally healthy and he's playing super well and yeah. it's fun to see and this is the guy you saw coming out of alabama that everybody was surprised he fell out of the first round this is why because the the three down game wrecking ability was apparent and he really wasn't healthy his first two years and now he yeah. is and you're seeing it yeah you get the his run defense has just improved dramatically he's stronger i think at the yeah. point of attack than he was before i'm sure there's some technique things that he's fixed as well, well. i think that's being healthy too. Uh, but he he always had the explosiveness off like his get off and his uh, lateral quickness and things like that but now his ability to just like hold up blocks or run through blocks or uh, that just the power in his upper body Uh, he has so much more pop in his hands uh, than he did early on in his career Uh, just a dominant game wrecker Uh, I would encourage all all Patriots fans uh, to hashtag Pro Bowl vote uh, Christian Barmore because he he should be in the Pro Bowl all right uh, number two up for me got to give it to him got to give him his flowers I'm going to give it to Bailey Zappi I I thought Bailey Zappi didn't wasn't perfect in this game Uh, the fumble in the very first play of the game game I, I maybe would put like half of that on him for holding the ball a little bit too long but I also thought that a good offensive line allows him to come off the first read and get to pop Douglas over the middle of the field but they don't have that kind of time uh, other than that play yeah we can nitpick some of the missed throws that I, we mentioned earlier against the blitzes and uh, you know a couple misses there uh, but when you put up these kinds of numbers and, and you play the way that he played and then you also have uh, you know the the plays late in the game to to win the game I, I thought Bailey Zappi played uh, one of the best quarterback games you know Mac Jones against Buffalo is still the best quarterback game of the year uh, but I thought that this might have been the second best quarterback game of the year yeah he was he he, he was definitely good in this game more good than bad I think yeah all right, who was your second? Uh, Miles Bryant. Miles yeah. Bryant bailed them out in this game, and him playing competitive, competitively against Cortland Sutton was, was yeah. early before Sutton got hurt was good to yeah. see, and I uh, just didn't leave the field. Made a number of big plays. I I think if if there's a game to point to where what Miles Bryant's value is to the Patriots, that was it. Put him anywhere. Heady, instinctive, exactly. Versatile. Just always around the ball. I thought he yeah. was he was excellent. Yeah, I, his man coverage numbers are still terrible. <laughs> like I'm just gonna yeah, come that's out the and what, say just that. don't have him man up guys yeah, on the on he burners. He still can't that's cover it. anybody in man coverage. He's a safety. Well, I, I, I still think he's a safety. I still truly believe he's a safety. Yeah, he's he's a nickel, 
uh, but he's like a nickel safety. He's yeah. not a nickel corner. Right. And there's a difference. Like yeah. nickel corners are guys that can man up slot receivers. He's not one of those guys. I. It's interesting because he's had a really good uh, Patriots career and like kind of an upward ascension here with this being, I think, his best year. Uh, but he really probably belongs in like a zone defense. Like if you uh, yeah. if he was playing in like a Seattle three system or uh, like Fangio's like quarter to quarter half system, like he would be so much better. But because the Patriots play forty percent man coverage, like he just has to play some man to man, and he's just not his strong suit. But he's a nickel safety and like a Fangio defense, and he'd be like really good at that. Like somebody like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, for example, or, or uh, along those lines. Uh, they just have they have to play him in this spot, and and it's not it's not exactly like his best natural position and, and i think that that's a big reason why he gets picked yeah. on in man coverage Probably a little breaking news patriots move practice inside oh, i love that thank god i was not going out there all right uh third star i kind of combined two guys here uh pop douglas and Devonte parker i thought both those guys made some really high level plays that we haven't really seen the patriots receivers make Devonte parker uh, for all of his warts and all of his issues and all of his limitations as a separator uh, going and making two big catches on Patrick Sertan, one of the a top five cornerback in this league and doing it with the game on the line late that that's that's some pretty that's ballsy like that, that that's some gutsy play right there uh, Bailey Zappi and him uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it you know they checked it alerted it to that fade on the game winning drive with the game on the line in a tie game on the road and they check to a fade to Devonte Parker against maybe the best cornerback in the NFL and they make the play you got to give them their flowers for that like that that was a really impressive play and uh, even though he had the drop I, I just think Pop Douglas is such a, a breath of fresh air for this football team finally a receiver that moves at a different speed than other guys that's faster than people that can get open at the top of the route the whip route the slant obviously made a great catch on the 41 yard catch as well but uh, just having that slot receiver he's a different type of slot than like a a Jacoby certainly because of the size but even then like an Edelman or a Welker I feel like he's mostly like a Dion Branch ish type of player uh but just watching a patriots receiver be able to like run away from coverage and get open against man-to-man it's it's refreshing to see he he was really good in this game he he was and he continues to be i've said this before the patriots offense needs to look different next year what exactly it looks like i don't know i mean it depends on so many things but whatever coach is designing it or whatever quarterbacks put into it, like there needs to be a role for Pop Douglas in it, a significant role. He's for their Pop best Douglas receiver. Yeah. And I, don't and, think and, I mean, he's their leading receiver right now. Yeah. Nobody has more catches or yards. And overall, like ahead of Hunter Henry, ahead of everybody. All right. You got any more? Yeah, two more. Uh, Mac Wilson, another very good game. I thought yeah. it was interesting on Tuesday that Gerard Mayo basically said that they misused him last year. Yeah. That they were playing him out of position last year. And he's playing some of the best football of his NFL career, looking like the guy he did at Alabama as a complimentary pass rusher. He's a guy I wonder if you expand that role next year if Josh Uche doesn't come back and he becomes that guy opposite Matthew Judon. A little discount Uche. Yeah, he yeah. is it even discount? I mean he yeah. he looks really good right now. So he hasn't played enough snaps. Like he's All only, right, but like, he's only playing like 25 snaps a game or something like that he's just making the most of the snaps that he's he's a guy that should be back yeah i mean he's not he's going to be affordable like it's not like it's going to cost you a ton of money and then so i i didn't have pop douglas because i just i think you saw great stuff from the majority of rookie class in this game i think you saw the rookie class really start to come on keon white has had like three good games in a row now and i think 
remember, he had a really good camp, was good the first couple of weeks. He got that concussion. Right. I think it probably took him a little bit of time to work his way back from that, but he looks fully healthy now. He's playing super well. Marte Mapu forces a turnover for the yeah. second week in a row. You love to see that, and he's playing more linebacker now, which is good. Uh, obviously, Hallelujah. Pop Douglas, you know, had a big game. I thought City So played pretty well. Yeah. Antonio Maffi stepping in uh, for his, you know, the most significant snaps he's had in a while. He could have been better, but, like, he was – it wasn't as bad as it looked, yeah, I'd say. A month, oh, you have him as down? Yeah. All right. I, I Maybe the bar was set so low from, like, last time he played. But, yeah. Um, and then he Bryce Beringer, I thought, had a really good game, too. Ryland was kind of up and down. But, yeah. I think for the most point – Oh, come on. How about Chad? That was the How loudest joint I've ever heard, but he missed. He missed. The, he missed two kicks, so he, he's not an up or a down for me. He's it's in between. But I, I think I'm over, happy. I'm happy for. I'm ha- him. Oh no! Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm happy for the guy, but. Yeah. Uh, and Bryce Beringer saying, "How about Chad?" Like that, that's that a great is, clip. Yeah, it, it, they the two of them together uh, reminds me a ton of Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark. Yeah, there's like just, a little bit of that it, going like, on. Like yeah. just like two like nut jobs that like are just made for each other. Uh, it, it's just great. Uh, I, I think those two guys. Who knows, like what what the future holds, and if both of them are going to succeed here, or both of them aren't, like whatever. But uh, their relationship is pretty funny. Like they're like just two peas in a pod. Yeah, but uh, I, I think you, you saw great stuff from the rookie class. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, let's go to the uh, the downs. Um, my number one down is the guy that you just said wasn't that bad, uh, Antonio Mafi. Uh, you, you're the offensive line guy, not uh, me. Antonio Mafi, uh, three holds, a quarterback hit. And three hurries in this game. He called for three holds. Three that holds. Many? Three holds. Was uh, he called for all three of them? I put. Oh yeah, I put Antonio Maffi and James Ferentz in just a okay. left guard puzzle. So I had James Ferentz. They're just in the left guard puzzle for me, and it is very. I don't know if it's like a, a good thing, a bad thing, an alarming thing. I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, but the fact that that there was that steep of a drop off from Cole Strange to what they have behind yeah. Cole Strange, I think just speaks to the whole problem in general with the team right now. That like losing Cole Strange and losing Connor McDermott was like this huge travesty for the Patriots, right? And we're not exactly talking about Matt Light and Logan Makins here, okay? Right. And, and the fact that that was the case was troubling. Uh, there was, and maybe it means that Cole Strange, you know, I started giving Cole Strange some love, like yeah. a couple good games in a row, seemed to be playing better uh, before he got hurt. Maybe Cole Strange was starting to, to turn a corner, and that's why my eyes are, like, so alarmed by what I saw at left guard with these two guys. Uh, the the strip sack on the first play of the game was the least competitive snap of offensive line play I've seen all yeah, year from brutal. James Ferentz. It just absolutely brutal. And then Mafi, uh, I Mafi's just not ready. Like Mafi's just not ready. Uh, his foot speed, he's gonna have to lose some weight, and he's gonna have to get it. He's gonna have to improve his quickness and his foot speed in order to to play in the league. Uh, so uh, those two guys at left guard. Uh, Maybe it's a positive that Cole Strange is is better than we thought. Maybe it's a negative that their offensive line depth is so bad. But both of them were bad in this game. Yeah, well, I I just had to like the run the run game. And yeah, they ran for outside of the end around. I think it was two. I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, two point five yards per carry. Yeah, against a team that was last in the right. league, allowing so, over five yards per carry. So I think we're in the in the category now, though, because the Chiefs were not a good run defense either, and they couldn't right. run the ball. They couldn't run the ball against the worst run defense in the league in the, in the Broncos. I think we're just at the category, or at the point now, where the Patriots are in that category 
of no, priority number one for every team is we're not going to stop the run. run. Yeah, they're just it, they're loading up in the box and tearing. So them that's why it. I'm basically just throwing out like opponents like run stats like where they rank and right. and stuff like that because I don't think it's an apples to apples when they play play the Patriots like Zeke Elliott is not beating the Denver Broncos like that's Vance Joseph's line when he opens the meeting right, right? is we're not going to just let them turn the ball you know uh, turn around and hand the ball off to Zeke like we're not going to let them do that um so you had you had run game yeah oh, okay uh number two Trent Brown uh, I just I, I think we can seriously say, and I know I've ragged on him a lot on this show, yeah. but I'm at the point now with Trent Brown where I, I like he should be done as a Patriot. Like he shouldn't play again as a Patriot. Uh, a quarterback hit, a hurry, two stuffed runs to his side of the field, gave up on the t- Taekwon Thornton jet sweep, just flat out gave up, didn't play through the whistle. Yep. If Dante Scarnecchia was still here, I can only imagine Dante Scarnecchia. Well, I, I don't think Trent Brown would be playing like this if Dante Scarnecchia oh was still here. Uh, it it's his effort has gone way down. I think his weight has gone up again. Like I I, I don't think he's uh, you know as in good a shape as he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, he is a good left tackle, a starting caliber left tackle yeah. in this league when he's locked in. Uh, but he he's a mental case. Like you just you can't keep that guy on on the on the bandwagon yeah and at, at a four and 11 team he's exactly the type of guy that's going to jump off and and that's exactly what happens uh, they just need to move on from that type of of player with that type of attitude and they need to have somebody like at this point it's i'm almost like bummed out that Connor mcdermott's on ir because like i would rather just see Connor mcdermott try his ass off for 70 right. plays than continue to put trent brown well, maybe you'll there. get that from vidarian love maybe uh, yeah like i would just rather see that like yeah. at least the guy's giving all out effort at least he's trying uh trent brown uh is uh my second down who do you got uh brandon schooler chris board oh they're, they're just, my third down yeah okay uh well my third down you're gonna roll your eyes at but uh, another missed tackle for Brennan Schooler on the big punt return. Chris yeah. Bohr, just a bizarre penalty running yeah. out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, they're still not good. At, the kick coverage is still an issue. Yeah. The kick coverage is still a massive issue, and that's a group that needs to be – get ready, people. They're going to have to sign special teamers this offseason because the ones they have now aren't good enough. So I actually kind of want them – it's not their main priority, and it shouldn't be the only thing they do, but they need to get some kick coverage guys in here because – they're seriously struggling in that regard right now, and I just I don't see Matthew Slater coming back at this point. So the the, the problem is is that they these are they're not just struggling within the margins. These are like backbreaking issues. Like a fifty two yard punt return is a big deal in a game. Uh, Chris Board's penalty cost them what nineteen yards of field position. That's a big deal. Like th- those are those are yards that really matter in field position that really matters. I had them too as my third down, and you know if I had special teams guys on my down list, right. then it's got to be really bad. Uh, Chris Board signed to be a special teams ace. Yeah, I've only heard his name called when he's when he's got getting called for a penalty all year long, and I want to seriously ask you as as the special teams guy on the program. What do they do with Brandon Schooler? Because he was this like Matthew Slater heir apparent, yeah. right? He's had a horrible year. Yeah, I, he's a guy I think that has to win his job in camp next year and win yeah. his job in the preseason. It's that simple. I'm not, you know, he's not a roster lock next year. I, if we were to do roster projection 2024, I probably wouldn't have him on there right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, penalties, a missed tackle. And I'll tell you, if it's a new coaching staff, 
he's gone. He's, yeah. I, I just don't see how you keep him around. I think that his biggest problem right now is just undisciplined play. Like, he, he plays fast, and you want him to play he fast. He plays too fast. He needs to yeah. stop and think about what he's – like, and, and Cam Accord kind of talked about it. It's just like, we like the high motor, but it has to be in control. He just plays totally out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And in that – on special teams, playing that out of control – is is really bad because that, right. that's how you're giving up 52 yard. Returns. It's all contained. It's right. all you can't blow contained. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, who's your last one? Sean Payton. I actually lost respect for Sean Payton. Me too, in this a game. little bit. And I, I kind of said it last week when we were talking about this game that I just on film I just wasn't overly impressed with the offense that they were running. Okay, and, I'm not. And, you know, I'm not talking about anything schematically. I get it. Their offense is boring. No, but I'm just saying like he's supposed to be this. Yeah. This like. He's held to that that Belichick mystique of offensive mind, and they're just like running this like boring dinosaur offense. And then I'm sure you have your like in game reasons. Yeah, no, this is classic. You you break down the scheme, and then yeah. I get all annoyed because all right, first yeah. off, first and goal from the six, you're gifted a possession. Yeah, one offensive genius, Sean Payton, just score a touchdown in, th- in three plays. Yeah, but when he didn't, you take the points, dude. No, you take you, the points. It's know, a free you know position. The, you know the nerds aren't taking the points. You take the points. All right, we'll get to the – we were we were going to get to the nerds. Oh, we're going to Don't get you to worry. The, we are going to get to the nerds. We couldn't do a show without ragging on the nerds. It's not possible. Late in the game, Bron- Patriots tie the game up – or, sorry, Broncos tie the game up, force Patriots punt. They get the ball back, 142 to go. Start at their own 39. So you need to go 30 yards for field goal position, like not a massive ask. 142 to go, three timeouts. It, you're, it's right in your lap. Yeah. And they come out with the most overly conservative offensive sequence of play calling. That screen that was, I don't know who designed that screen, fire him. Sean like, Payton. That was brutal. That was absolutely brutal. They just sit Alex on it. Alex likes nothing more than just trashing on coaches that he doesn't like. Like no, but here's like I'm now, like I, I was I'm a big Sean Payton. Like and now I, you don't have Brandon Staley anymore. Oh, we're gonna so get you, to Brandon Staley. How are you gonna get? To we're gonna get to Brandon Staley. Don't you worry. But. And I like Sean Payton. I, yeah. I I like Sean Payton. I always like those yeah. Saints teams. Like, I, it hurts me to do this, but I have to be consistent. Yeah. They come out, I mean, am I wrong, with the most overly conservative, when you just have to go 30 yards with three timeouts, they're running the ball, they're throwing screens, nothing, they punt the ball away. And then the Patriots are content to go to overtime. Yeah. The Patri- and, and in that moment, there's a, a little less than a minute to go. They start calling the Patriots the only have one timeout. Yeah. Patriots run the ball, and they start calling timeouts. Yeah. In that moment, and, and let's keep in mind, Patriots have nothing to lose. Those nothing were to so, lose. Were brutal. Patriots have nothing to lose. The Broncos have everything to lose, and the Patriots are the only team that can win the game in that spot. They're comfortable going to overtime. Sean Payton says, "Nope, nope, we're going to call timeout." It would be one thing if, like, the offense is humming and you want the ball back because you think you can go down the field. Sean, you just had a chance to win the game. You sat on it. Yeah. That was your shot. You don't start calling timeouts now. So he calls two timeouts. Yeah. Patriots are like, all right, fine, I guess, if you want us to win the game. Right. Boom, fade shot to Devontae Parker, which great play by Parker and Zappi to wreck it. They right. go, sorry, they go press man. Yeah. They go press man on third well, that, and five. Well, that, well, Vance Joseph having the time of his life. I mean, I, Clearly, that, that's what he's doing. They go press man on third and five, yeah, trying Joseph to get the game to go too. to overtime. And Bailey Zappi sees that, like, I guess. Yeah. Like, you're, you can't, and it's a good throw. It's a good catch. But like hand the game to them schematically any more than that. Yeah. Finally get down the field. You have a kicker who is shaking in his boots, having to kick 56 yards on the road. Sean Payton doesn't call the timeouts to ice them nice for whatever reason. But to, to call the timeout, here, here's the overarching point. Yeah. The, the the Patriots are the only team that could win the game in regulation. Yeah. Right. After the Broncos punted. Yeah. The Broncos gave up their chance to do that with that overly conservative offensive sequence. 
and Sean Payton calls timeouts with the playoffs on the line to give the Patriots a chance to win the game and essentially knock the Broncos out of out of, out of playoff contention. You know what that reminded me a ton of, Evan? And I said it the second he called the first timeout. Brandon Staley in 2021. <laughs> You're kidding In me. the overtime ball. You, you just... Okay. Do you remember I, that? I can't even get mad no, at you. No, but do you remember Do you remember what Brandon Staley yes. did in that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Raiders are the only team that can win the game. They're in overtime. A tie sends them both to the playoffs, but if Poor one Brandon team Staley. wins. He doesn't even have a job if, anymore if now. One team still wins, shots if one him. team wins, the Steelers get the other spot. The, Ra- the Raiders are uh, – uh, Saatchi is ready to go to overtime. And yeah. he's sitting there saying, hey, we're both going to go to the playoffs. This is pretty cool. And Brandon Staley, that idiot, starts calling timeouts, <laughs> and the Raiders are like, fine, if you're going to give us another first down, we'll be in field goal range. I guess we can win the game. It was Catching this, strays, Brandon Staley. It was the same. Somewhere Brandon Staley is like sitting on a beach, and he's just like – Still trying to why call am I, timeouts. Why am I, why still am trying I still to call getting, timeouts. Still not defending the run game. Uh, it was a Brandon Staley-esque performance from Sean Payton. It kills me to say that because he is a coach I, I do like a lot. Yeah. But I respect him less after that game because that was – to call those timeouts, I'm like, I'm sitting there literally yelling, what are you doing? And my brother's like, he wants the ball. I'm watching him. My brother goes, he wants the ball back. I'm like, why? Oh, yeah. Why? He just They just punted on the game with that series so, before. So it's like I, he I, realized all of a sudden, oh, shoot, we can still win this. Oh, we need to get the ball back. Brutal. Brutal stuff from Sean Payton. In his wheelhouse. I, uh, I thought that – that Bill Belichick and, and Gerard Mayo and Steve uh, just coached circles. Circles around him. Around Sean Payton. Circles. They yeah. needed to get one of those heavy-duty washing machines to, to clear the circles off the turf at Empower Field, the way they were coaching circles around Oh, uh, it was bad. It, it, they – so the the the, Saint, or the Saints – the Broncos had those, like, toss plays early, right? And, and they were running toss – and I, I actually was like, all right, like that's a pretty good uh, approach here in the game plan because you don't want to run right at the Patriots' run defense. You're not going to. Right. right? Anthony Jennings, Devon Godshaw, Barmore, Bentley. Like, good luck trying to run between the tackles against the Patriots right now. So what do they do? They they, they put the DBs in the fit. Yeah. They toss the ball outside, and they make Miles Bryant, yeah, Miles Bryant and Sean Wade and, the edge. and those guys tackle people. Fine. Good game plan. That was literally all they had. That was it. They had nothing else. And Bill and, and Steve and Gerard are, are, are running sim pressures, right? They're putting six, seven guys up at the line of scrimmage, and they're dropping guys out, rushing guys. And Russell Wilson looked like his head was spinning. He looked yeah, like he had Sam no freaking Darnold out there. And I'm just thinking to myself, isn't this is offensive guru Sean Payton. Right. And usually when offensive guys like that take a year off, they like go in the lab, right? Like they, they go in and they, they go on like a little tour and, and they go like, you know, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel and, uh, you know, all these offensive gurus, Andy Reid, and they like learn stuff. They, nope. they, they, they absorb. Sean McVay just went to Brandon Staley School of Clock Management. <laughs> they absorb like, like new things, new wrinkles for their offense. And, and Sean Payton's running the same offense he ran 10 years ago in New Orleans and we we sit here and we always say that like Belichick you know it was Brady it was Brady was Brady it was Drew Brees like we can finally (laughs) put that one to bed like it was Drew Brees and Robert Meacham and that was it um all right let's before we uh wrap up here we got two more phone calls and we're gonna go uh really quickly on some of these other things we want to talk about uh Nakodi is in West Virginia what's up Nakodi how you guys doing good um I just want to get your opinion on uh defensive lineup for next year since we need to focus more on the offense um 
say uh, Isaiah Bolden, you know, makes a good impact before the season starts, and he's the second outside corner. Um, and obviously have Marcus Jones at slot. Um, what could we move John Jones back to free safety, have re-sign Kyle Duggar and keep him at strong safety, and then maybe move uh, Peppers to linebacker? Yeah, th- th- thanks for the call, Nakodi. Uh, so I actually think that John Jones at free safety is not like a terrible idea. I know I've heard this one before. He's got right. the speed, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he's been their best corner. If they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. So. I, he's also just like he's a really yeah. good corner. And he's been playing through a knee injury this year, and he's still put, been really, really yeah. good. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean – I just don't really feel the need to do it, I guess, is no, more I, where I'm at with it. I, I would say keep the defensive lineup as similar to it as this year. I would swap yeah. out Kyle Duggar for a true free safety, add in another depth corner that you didn't get with, with Jack Jones and J.C. Jackson was supposed to be that third boundary corner, and you'll get Christian Gonzalez back. So him, John Jones, player to be named later, and then you're going to need like one or two rotational edge rushers, not top of the depth yeah. chart guys, assuming you bring Judon back. Get Anthony Jennings back in here. Get Jabril Peppers locked up. Get Christian Barmore locked up, and you're good to go. Like I, you don't need to touch a lot on defense. I, I, I do think you know we're going to talk about the Jason McCourty of it all. Yeah, right. We're going to keep you know keep pounding that 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 third boundary corner yeah. that can play a pretty significant role. They've they've still have not figured that out, and they're going to have John Jones, Christian Gonzalez, right. obviously going to be your number one boundary corner. Uh, you're going to have John Jones, Marcus Jones. And I think they'll if it's this regime, Miles Bryant will be here. Miles, right. Well, just on the boundary corner, like to the caller's point, maybe it is Isaiah Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that guy he is had in the building. In camp before. Yeah. It, it went, and honestly, yeah. Marco Wilson's going to be under. We didn't talk about Marco Wilson. Yeah. We signed him yesterday. He he had a good year last year. He has not been good this year at all. Yeah. Uh, but maybe he. You know, I I think right now. It's him and Isaiah Bolden in camp for that third boundary corner role, and maybe you use like a fourth round pick on a guy. Maybe you bring in a veteran, and it's those yeah. four competing for one or two spots. They they are starving for you know. Obviously, it was supposed to be Jack Jones, yeah, right? But th- like that fourth round corner, that's just like a functioning outside boundary guy. Right. Like that's exactly what they need, and it, it should have been Jack Jones. It wasn't, but that that type of guy just without the baggage that Jack I, Jones. I, I brought got to a the guy table. that's interesting. If we get to the college football playoff, okay. Uh, Dre is in North Carolina. What's up, Dre? Hey, guys. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Hey, so I was just calling. I don't want to deter the show how it ends, but I was just calling about if we sit with the fourth pick, would y'all want to possibly trade up to try and get a quarterback, or are y'all just content with sitting where y'all are? Then I'll take it off air. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Dre. So I all, with, with with trading up, it's always the same conversation. Right. Of like, what are you giving up, right? Right. And, and what are, are you, you giving up, and who are you, like, do you believe you in the guy? Yeah. Right. I, my concern, and I, I'm kind of just from a – because those details are, are hard to iron out, especially on December 28th. Like maybe once right. we get closer, it, it will be easier. I, I have reservations about trading up because I think that you are you need a lot of pieces on this roster. And if you're starting to give up like a king's ransom to move up in the draft to take the quarterback, yes, ideally he's Andrew Luck and he and he makes you an 11 win team coming out, you know, rolling out of bed just because you have the quarterback. But at the same time, I look at the Carolina Panthers and I I I, I that's I am fearful of that. Well, the Panthers gave up too much. And- so the Panthers gave up a ton because they went all the way from eight to one. Right. So, so that's part of it. Like we're, we're I'd move if if it's the difference between getting Jane Daniels, I'd move up from four to three because you're talking about probably 
two third round picks. Yeah. To get from four to three. Like that's fine. I'm not moving up from four to one. I don't think they need to move up from four to one. I'm not moving up from four to one. I'll go like four to three, five to three if it means getting Jaden Daniels, but um yeah, I'm not doing the Panthers package because that was just stupid. Right, and now you're in a position where you're kind of 50-50 on Bryce Young, I would say, after his rookie year. I'm still not out on Bryce Young. I think that like he still has a, a chance to be good, uh, but you're you're a little bit concerned. You have to admit, like if you're a Panthers Well, so I think the thing to remember, person. too, and, and this is also part of the reason why to people who say draft Marvin Harrison, draft a tackle, like build it all up, and you'll go get the quarterback next year. Yeah. That scares the crap out of me because – there are – the way talent's being turned out in college, there's going to be good wide receivers every year. There's yeah. going to be good, legit wide receiver talent every year. Tackles, some of the class have been thin, but yeah. generally you have two or three guys at the top of the board that are pretty good. Uh, you are not guaranteed to have a legitimate quarterback class every year. Next year, unless you're going to get 1-1 one, one, and we want to go through another season like we just did yeah. and get Shadur Sanders, uh, ooh, next year's scary. Next year is scary. Re. Okay, well, and, well, maybe maybe Quinn Ewers is going to be in Maybe All right, so that's two guys, so you've got to have a top three pick again. So you're right where you are now. Why not just take the guy now? You look at last year's uh, last year's class, right? Yeah. Bailey Zappi might be the second best quarterback in that class. In I mean, Brock. Right, Brock. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Brock yeah. Purdy's number one, yeah. obviously, but he was the— when you have the offense that the Niners have, you can take your quarterback Is in the he, seventh round. Show me when the Patriots have that offense, and well, I'll say, okay, they can wait till I, the seventh I round just, and take quarterback. I, I worry about being the Panthers. And, it, and so, the Panthers, so, so that's you look where I was at going the Panthers too. is like – now they, they have no assets to add around right. Bryce Young because they traded them all for Bryce Young, and now they have a team that has no talent. They have no first-round pick. He, I, I think it runs deeper than that because at the time, people said the Chiefs gave up too much to get Patrick Mahomes to move up to get Patrick Mahomes. Nobody talks about that anymore, well, nor right. should they. So my point is, the decision to move up is only as good as the player, and this is what I was getting to. Albert Breer had this report uh, last week on the Sports Hub that yeah. he talked to some GMs and basically since 2021 put all the quarterbacks in the same class, who goes where? And he said, Trevor Lawrence still goes 1-1, which I think is true. Caleb Williams goes second, Drake May goes third. Above, like, ahead of C.J. Stroud as prospects. Ahead of yeah. C.J. Stroud, ahead of Bryce Young, ahead of Kenny Pickett, ahead of all Wait, of them. Caleb Williams goes one. No, no, no. Trevor Lawrence goes one. Oh, we're going all the way back to 21. To, to 21. So okay. Trevor Lawrence goes one. Yeah. Caleb Williams goes two. Yeah. Drake May goes three. I think it's probably between Jaden Daniels and um, uh, Justin Fields for four. So the point being, okay. I would, I would, never mind. No, no, who, who? I, I would probably, uh. Caleb, Trevor, Caleb, yeah. Drake May, and who's yeah. the fourth guy you said? So that's where it gets I would a little probably, murky. I would probably put C.J. Stroud ahead of Drake May. Okay, well, so, I, all right. Let me. The point basically being, right, The Jaden Daniels is going to be the third quarterback in this draft. Yeah. Next year, he's 1-1, no question. Right. Right? So it, you have a chance to get a better quarterback now than you're going I, to have I, I next you. year. So. Just take, like, there's going to be Joe Alts in next year's class. Maybe there's not a Marvin Harrison, but there's going to be Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbor. Next year's wide receiver class looks might be better than this uh, one. You know, I hate when you be, do this. I know, but, but, like, it, what, next year's wide receiver class is unstoppable, and then all of them end up stinking in the but, fall. But, but, but here's all, my like, point. Here's my point. <laughs> Quarterback has more variance than any. Quarterback okay. has, if you can get the guy, you get the guy, because next year's quarterback. 
there's always one last year's wide receiver class was an anomaly. There's always one or two blue chip wide receivers. There's always one or two blue chip tackles. Okay, you I'm are gonna, not guaranteed I'm, a blue chip quarterback. I, I'm gonna just segue into this All right. for you because you, you asked me to bring up the college football playoff. Yes. Uh, really quickly though, before we get to the college football playoff, uh, we haven't talked about the Bills or this Bills game for even one second. Which so, sucks because the Bills are bad. So let's had do fun two minutes it. on this. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking for out of this game? And and like if you really want to take your victory lap on the Bills who have won three straight and four out of their last five and nobody Ooh, will, they barely beat the Chargers and, Ooh. And, and, and nobody wants to play them in the playoffs uh they won't be there uh, now they're gonna be there they're gonna win the division I I I don't want the Bills to win the Super Bowl I don't either they're, they're reasons, gonna win the division but I do kind of hope the Bills win a few playoff games just to irk you yeah it's just, gonna just, piss me just, off. just to piss you no off. they're gonna win the division what, what, what are you looking me. for on Sunday um so I want to see you know Barmore versus Josh Allen's a great matchup yeah like you know he's kind of looking like do the Patriots have a freak to counter the freak, right? Yep. That kind of thing. Um, I, I want to see Barmore against Josh Allen. I think that'll be a super fun matchup. Um, and then just, I think la in the last game, the defense played well, but they got off the hook because the Bills are kind of dropping some passes and right. things like that. I So a big part of the Bills' resurgence has been they've taken the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. They've run the ball. You know, who would have thought that would improve oh, the offense? Oh, so they're more balanced and there's less pressure on him to be Superman and he's playing better. Well, because he's not Superman. They were asking him to do more than he can do because he's not as good as so many people thought he was. No, That's the no, whole point. No, That's no. the whole point. The point is is that nobody if can he was, shoulder all that. He had to be there All right, but game, I was being told that he game. could. I was being, he had to run around I was, and like, I was told. Throws. I was told you run the offense like that when you have a guy like Josh Allen because he's that good. No, oh, my God, no, he wasn't. No, no, no. Oh, my God, they, who could have seen that? Their offense with Ken Dorsey – was vanilla it was stale they had they used no tricks. i i was there told was no i was told there was no they nothing. had to put the ball in josh allen's hands that much because he they're, was that like, good and they I mean, had to take on. advantage it's still, of it. like it's not it's not like they're running the ball 75 percent of the time they're uh still, they're running it a lot more i think the Patriots yeah. neutralized that so i think the game is put back in josh allen's hands to win i think this is gonna be the first time in a few weeks we see josh allen really have to go out and single-handedly win the game again um, that's to me is, is as much as like the Bailey Zappi yeah. of it all is, is still there. I think to me, you, the one thing that's going to be consistent is that which, whoever's at quarterback next year for the Patriots is going to have to be Josh Allen, right? Like right. you're going to have the, the division. I still think even though the dolphins are going to, are going to probably win the division this year, they're not, uh, Buffalo is still going to be the, a team that they're going to have to beat to get, to make it back to the promised land for some reason. And I, I, I still feel like, Bill versus Josh Allen and they had a really good plan I thought the first time around against him to blitz him and come after him a little bit more and uh, speed him up and yeah. make him play out of control and things like that like do they have that in them again because if Bill can still find some some kryptonite to Superman uh, he still hasn't solved the Dolphins offense so that that's a, a whole separate issue <laughs> uh, but if he can solve Josh Allen and they have like two good game plans and could two good defensive performances, whether it's Bill, whether it's Gerard, like whoever is in charge next yeah. year of the defense. I think that, that that's a really big thing for this team moving forward if they can still have So that's, that's kind of – a lot of it's on Josh Allen, honestly. Like how does he and the offense respond to kind of getting knocked around by Bill in that defense in the first yeah. game? Do they do some different things? And obviously they will have a new offensive coordinator, but like what does that look like to counter – and then, I, I mean, it's pretty much all with the Patriots events, but on offense, just like Bailey Zappi's continued development yeah. and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they do this time around defensively against Allen because they they went for about two years there. They were all coverage game plan, right? Like they were, right. we're going to drop seven, eight guys in coverage and we're going to make him sit in the pocket and beat us, you know, throwing the ball. And we're not going to let him play playground football. 
Uh, but the problem was is that they weren't getting any pressure on him, and he was just standing there making throws. Right. And that's not good either. So this time they kind of uh, split the atom a little bit and were able to come after him but contain pressure. And uh, I thought that, uh, you know, they did a, a really good job in week seven uh, of defending him. Now they made some plays, and Buffalo right. ended up making some plays late, especially in that fourth quarter when they came back. But in general, I, I thought that they that was their best game plan against Josh yeah. Allen. Uh, since he's turned into Josh Allen, like, you know, not right. talking about like his rookie year or something like that. So uh, that that was uh, that's the Bills uh, college football playoff. Uh, you, you you have like four minutes. All so right, let's I'm just going like... to I'm just going to give you. All right. My picks are, are um, Alabama and Washington. OK. And then Alabama in the in the championship. Yeah. Um, although I think I think you have a- Alabama winning it all. Yes. Oh. I think Alabama rolls Michigan. I think J.J. McCarthy gets exposed in that game. Yeah. Because um, you way. can't run the ball in Alabama like they have on other teams. They can't be that reliant. Um, I think Washington and Texas probably score 100 combined points, maybe 110. Yeah. Um, I just I think Michael Penix got that dog in him, right? He goes, he he, he makes the last play, but yeah. Alabama's Alabama, man, and that's a different that's a different animal. Uh, I'm just going to give you some names I want you to watch. Okay. I want because you're going to watch. I hope you watch yeah. the games, right? Yeah. No, the second one's kind of late. Like, what are we doing? There? It's 8:30. It's Grow eight, up. It's 8:45. Grow up. That's I also, gotta work the next day. That's the better game. That's that's I Washington, know, Texas. I know. That's why right. I, they should have flipped um, that. What are we doing? Alabama starting right tackle J.C. Latham. He's been their yeah, starter yeah. the last two years. Uh, six six three sixty. You know, just quickly. Okay. You don't reminds me. me the, reminds the me a lot of Trent Brown. Just like a big physical mauler. Yeah. Kind of a weird range for the Patriots. He's expected to go between ten and fifteen. So they'd have to make a trade. Um, Jermaine Burton's a really good uh, deep threat wide receiver for Alabama. I like him. Yeah. Malachi Moore is Alabama's – he's a defensive back. He stepped into that Brian Branch role. He does okay. a little bit of everything. Star role. Would be a classic Belichick pick. Yep. Uh, we talked about J.J. McCarthy. Neither of us believe in him. Blech. These Michigan running backs, man, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, they're going to be in the spotlight. The Patriots are going to need stop. a running back. Please stop. Early day three guys. Please stop. Um, Roman Wilson – uh, he's a weird player. I like Roman Wilson. Jump ball, six foot jump ball receiver. Yeah, but he can do it. Uh, he's really good at the catch point and after the catch. He needs to be better before the catch. That's kind of my book on him. Uh, really fun player here, Mike Sainer. Still, I don't know. You might have heard about him a little bit. Nope. Uh, defensive back for Michigan, Everett High grad, oh, Massachusetts okay. Gatorade Holy, High School football of the year. Uh, Spent three years as you, a, you need to go. Faster. I know. Spent three years a wide receiver at Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Moved to defensive back two years ago. Plays ev- like everywhere. A lot everywhere. faster. Okay, he's very good. Rapid fire. Um, uh, we, you know Xavier Worthy. You like him. Yeah. Andy Mitchell, Jatavian Sanders. Yeah. Uh, another tackle in this for Texas. Christian Jones going to be facing NFL talent from Washington. He's like tier two. J.C. Latham. That kind of thing that we okay. do. Right. Like or he might be day three. Uh, and then on Washington, you know I like Roma Dunze. Dylan Johnson, another running back to watch. Nope. Uh, Fatanu is in that late yep. first, early second round. Alabama, uh, uh, Washington's left tackle, yep. three-year starter. He's interesting. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. We'll see him. Yeah, he's interesting. Jabbar Muhammad, Washington's outside corner. Uh, yeah. Three-year starter, really good man coverage. Yeah, he played some good coverage against USC. Five foot ten, might have to move in a slot in the NFL. Reminds me a ton, Evan, of Miles Bryant. So Uh-oh. and he's Paul a pro- Miles Bryant. Well, five ten. Yeah, Proje- Miles Bryant's like five, five seven, nine. Five, it's an eight. inch. Uh, no, projected. He, he, Miles Bryant's five nine with with heels. Projected on. late day three pick or UDFA. Maybe that goes up with a good performance against these Texas wide receivers, but screams yeah. Patriot. Okay. I have a full list on ninety eight five. The sports. There you go. You can read that uh, really quickly for me on this because you know I, oh, yeah. I, I I'm just yeah. watching for uh, watching sake. Are we sure Quinn Ewers isn't coming out? That's the thing. I think it de- the playoff determines it. If he if he's going to be a first round pick, he'll come out. He needs to basically have a big game against. If he has a big game against Alabama or Michigan, he's going to be a first round pick. So that's what the, this will decide. That 
So I am intrigued. Just intrigued. I'm not yeah. I'm not all in yet. I'm just intrigued because I think that there's a chance that he's like the perfect okay, you missed out on Caleb Williams, yeah. Drake May. You're not totally sold on Jaden Daniels, but you could get a guy like Quinn Ewers maybe by like slightly trading up into the first back end of the first round. And he doesn't have the injury history that Penix right. does. I just feel like that's one of those guys that might be like the perfect so consolation prize he's, type quarterback. He's going to talk to teams at like unofficially, right? He's going to, yeah. he's, his people will do their research after the playoff and basically find out if, if he's going to be a first round pick. If enough teams, base, if he hears back for enough teams that like, yeah, we like you in the first round, he'll declare. If not, he won't because he'll be a first round pick next year and he's got plenty of NIL money at Texas yeah, it, to hold him over. Exciting prospect. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Rodney here. Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Rodney Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame. We didn't have time for that. I'm sure we'll talk about that on PU, which starts here in a couple of minutes. So don't go anywhere. Alex and I will be back next week, uh, week 18. Hard to believe, but we'll talk about the and last... And then it's the off-season, and then the fun really begins. Yeah, then the fun really begins. We'll talk about the last week of the season. We'll talk about the college football playoff. Uh, so keep it right here, Patriots Catch 22, and we'll see you all then. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.